Welcome to Pavant Garde. My name's Andrea Gazetta. I'm Katrina Davis. And I'm Jordan Lee Williams. <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought you were going to talk again. Oh, this is so uncomfortable. So I'm just going to go into it. Andrea's supposed to talk again. I'm I thought I have nothing to I say. So, so. But you know what? No, I think we leave that in. I think this is the next part is I have very exciting news for you ladies and everyone listening. What happened? What is it? So did you win the lottery? Article. No, God, I wish. Man, my mic setup would be so much cooler if I did. Uh, and there wouldn't be flies in my coffee cup right now. Uh, I came across an article this week that made me so happy. And I had to share it with you guys. Because archaeologists of childhood have discovered rooms in cave systems that suggest that children were taught how to do those cave paintings by adults within the group. And they called, it, they called it prehistoric preschool. And that's, that's just not the cutest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> They had a, keep art in schools. We absolutely had the dawn of time. It has absolutely been a group bonding activity. They can trace relationships within the group, like who was related to who, because they find their handprints near each other most often, who spent time with who. There are images that are made by the hands of a two-year-old, about two years old, really high up, which shows that an adult put them and held them up so that they could reach that spot. Uh, it is. And the article is so good. And I want to link to it because the archaeologist talks about, she wants to be a voice for women and children because most of archaeology is the stories of men. And she wants to talk about these other groups that are within this system and the things that we can discover from them about the way that society has developed. And she just says this really beautiful thing about how there is a seven-year-old girl screaming from the walls of this cave, I love to paint, I want to paint, I want to paint. Oh, And that seven-year-old girl is all of us living inside exactly. of us. Absolutely. That's, That's so, so sweet, amazing. Jordan. I love that. And speaking of like children doing crafts, today's episode <laughs> is going to be a real treat for you guys. Uh, this is an artist who is very near and dear to my rainbow-filled heart. And a prime example of why she would we should never look up our heroes. Um, <laughs> today we are covering the rise and fall and possibly second coming of Lisa Frank. Oh, oh snap. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> I mean, what do you guys know this... about Lisa Frank? Like, who did you guys do the folders? Did you oh, like yeah. have the oh, gear? Yeah. That was yes. the best part of back to school shopping was do you want the horse, the dolphin, or the bear? That was that I was, was it. a dog. I, I had a lot of dog Lisa Frank dogs. My first um, um my first secondhand business was inspired by Lisa Frank art. What was your first secondhand a, business? 
I had a Lisa. Well, actually, might have been second. I did a lot of I did a lot of shiesty art businesses as a child. Um, <laughs> Me too. But I got a Lisa Frank jewelry making kit. Um, but I That's and I wanted so to sell cool. the jewelry, but I realized that I couldn't really sell the amount of pieces that you could make and like make a profit and also buy more jewelry kits. So then I decided to rent them. And so I just rented out Lisa Frank jewelry to my parents and my dad just like walked around our house with like a <laughs> rainbow dog pin on his lapel all day and then gave me 75 cents for it. Like that was That's my so whole plan. sweet. <laughs> That's a genius business scheme too. As a child, you're like, I'm gonna need that back at the end of the day though. Like what? Well, yeah, cause I couldn't, I was like, no one's gonna buy this for more than like a dollar. And the kits were like four and you could only make but so many bracelets and stuff with the kits. And I was like, I'm not gonna turn a profit on this. I'm gonna have to get this back somehow. And I was like, I'll rent it. I'll rent special occasion Lisa Frank jewelry. And this is how landlords were invented. (laughs) No, that's how Rent the Runway was invented. Oh, my gosh. I forgot that's a thing. That lady was my my babysitter. And she was like, you know what, kid? You got a million dollar idea, kid. Take it to the streets. And, to you Versace. Know, Katrina and then she grew like, up ran. in 1910. Yeah. And my babysitter was like a two timing, like, <laughs> shysty man. It was actually Al Capone. Like uh, Who was my babysitter? Where Mrs. Doubtfire yeah, yeah, yeah. came from. But We're like, had, like and then she has this great idea, see? <laughs> uh, okay, so. We know who Lisa Frank is. If you guys don't know, if you're your listeners and you don't know who Lisa Frank is, she was the person on every child in the 90s, Trapper Keeper, Notebook, Pencils, all the like rainbow brightness. Um, their commercial it was slogan. kind of, oh, it was like oh, one of those ahead. times I kind of remember like anime-ish, like that style of everything being kind of like, the shine marks everything looks so luscious you know what i mean that was kind of the first time that i remember outside of me being obsessed with sailor moon years later like copying that in illustrations like the light in their eyes and things like that yeah Yeah. the star they always had like stars in their eyes or like you know cute little things around them and i feel as an artist as an adult I personally have been compared to Lisa Frank a lot, which is why I chose her for our first episode. Uh, But like all of the like rainbow and bright colors and just the idea that you're sort of creating this escapist reality, which I thought was really Mm -hmm. great and great for kids. Um, Lisa Frank. So I'm going to talk a little bit about sort of her as a person and then we'll talk about her business. She's really interesting as a person. Um, She's kind of an elusive character. So a lot of the articles I read and research for this podcast, which we'll talk about sources at the end of the show, but I read a lot of articles, including a 34-page affidavit uh, of testimonials from former employees. So (gasps) Dramatic foreshadowing. Dramatic. (laughs) Um, But according to most of the articles I read, only two photos of Lisa Frank exist on the internet. I found four, but (laughs) not that many, not that many articles. And in a lot of the information that we have about her early life is directly pulled directly from interviews. And 
I found a few discrepancies between what she would say in interviews and what was the truth about her early childhood. And we'll kind of talk about what those discrepancies are. Mm. Um, but I think we have to remember anytime someone is telling you what their life is, you have to be a little bit suspicious about what sort of myth or what sort of image they're looking to create. Um, when Lisa Frank gave a, a rare video interview to Urban Outfitters in 2012, she requested to not be shown on camera. So she is only seen in silhouette, which is very dramatic. <laughs> what? That, she went full like gangland on her yeah. UO interview. Yeah. Absolutely. So you can only see her in silhouette. It's really funny. Um, Kyle, a former employee, says, quote, she kind of looks like one of her characters, very over the top and colorful with big hair and really big eyes. And here's a picture of Lisa Frank. I'll show you guys. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Because I was about to say, I'm imagining Betsy Johnson right now. Does she look like Betsy Johnson at all? I don't know like who Betsy eyes? Johnson is. See, I'm uh, literally just imagining Andrea. <laughs> Yo, just that she looks exactly like it's Andrea. Just Andrea. What yeah, if we've Andrea. been friends with Lisa Frank this whole time? Dun, dun, dun. There she oh is. no, I can Oh my gosh, she does kind of look like one of her characters. Oh She's God. kind of a lot. She says this is the character that she says that she is. She, when she was interviewed, she says oh she God, is okay. it's called Priscilla the Cat. Priscilla is a big, fluffy white cat with a lot of jewelry and a lot of attitude. Although Lisa Frank says she's not a cat person. She doesn't actually like cats. But she is a cat in her mind's eye, which I think is which, really interesting. I, mean, I was about to say, what an enigma that you don't even like the animal that you yourself are choosing to represent yourself. But yeah, no, yeah. she does look... I know that this really is a still photo... I was about to say, I know this is a still photo, but I still don't feel like she's blinking enough. Does that make sense? <laughs> like, she's still stressing me out a little bit with how open those eyes are. Yeah, well, everything about her face is so square and angular that she does just mm -hmm. look like a Disney villain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she oh, does look she like she does. could be. A, she looks like she would be selected to be a clone. She looks like oh. a Cruella de Vil and then the bad guy from The Emperor's New Groove, that lady. She looks like that crossover. <gasps> Yzma. Yep. Yeah. She's like an Who Yzma is also sassy and likes jewelry. <laughs> it's all coming <laughs> together. Uh, so in, oh, this, it gets interesting. I'm so in excited. One interview, oh my God. In one interview with the Daily Mail, Lisa Frank compared herself to Michael Jackson. Quote, if I use my credit card and they go, oh, my gosh, there's Lisa Frank who makes the stickers. I go, isn't it the craziest thing that I have the same name? So in the Jezebel, and that's how she's like Michael Jackson. Yeah, she just she <laughs> sort of believes how is that an, all the way Michael Jackson would have lived his life. You immediately know if it's Michael Jackson or not. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What? Yeah, so it, this is the Jezebel, oh, the Jezebel <laughs> article I read. I'm going to directly quote that article right now because what they wrote is so mwah, fire, beautiful. This is what they said. 
that she believes she can comprehend or relate to what life was like for the most famous entertainer of all time who was notoriously viewed as a victim of his own celebrity is confounding. Yes! <laughs> like, what? That is a very, like, entertaining level of grandiose it's to like think of your like I know you guys I get it (laughs) yeah it's I mean I think what's really interesting is that if I think of Lisa Frank I will never picture the woman I'm always picturing the product right and you've worked so hard she has worked so hard to have so little photos of her that it's so weird Right. That she would choose that because now I'm also imagining her walking away from those situations, laughing to herself like uh, they would have freaked out if they knew I was the real Lisa Frank. And they were just like, <laughs> oh, the person has the same name as Lisa Frank and just went about their day. Like, yeah, she thinks it's... she's like rocking people's worlds. <laughs> and that is hilarious to me. Yeah. It's, it. I mean, the thing is, too, is like Lisa Frank is a pretty... Like, that's not a crazy, uncommon name. I'm sure there are other people with that name. Oh, yes. Like, it's fine. I have other people that have my name. They're mostly men who live in Italy, but, like, they exist for sure. They're mostly male doctors <laughs> in Italy or Argentina, which is, like, Nazis? I don't know. But anyway. I um, like it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I like uh, that you're also Italian doctors. <laughs> yeah no that's it's funny because my whole family is italian doctors and andrea in italy is a man's name so it's mostly like men with my name but okay. fun facts <laughs> fun facts according to karen a former sales department employee who worked for frank in the early 2000s there might be other reasons why frank is so reclusive karen says quote She was very beauty-focused and obsessed with her body image and waning youth. According to Karen, she's exceptionally skinny and into all the lotions and potions the beauty industry guilts us into buying. So it sounds like she's just kind of a a lady who is sort of not comfortable with her own aging self. And maybe that's why she wants to be seen in silhouette more than the fact that she's like a crazy celebrity. And also more boats for the case that she's actually Maleficent, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) Facts. Uh, So Lisa Deborah Frank was born on April 21st, 1955. Although in interviews she researched, Although in interviews she refers to herself as a Detroit native, she was actually born in the ultra-rich Bloomfield Hills neighborhood, currently ranked as one of the top five wealthiest cities in the United States. Wow. So that's what I mean about her sort of myth building. So when she talks about herself, she's like, yeah, I'm just a regular old Detroit girl. It's like, girl, you're from the one of the wealthiest cities in the country. Like, you're crazy. <laughs> Shut up. I mean, you, you listeners can go look at the picture, I'm sure, on our Instagram of her, but that turtleneck reeks of money. Oh, <laughs> that absolutely. Is... <laughs> she... You know, there are some turtlenecks that you just have to be born into, and I do feel like she... <laughs> emulate someone that grew up well for some reason you know what she kind of reminds me of a little bit is those really skinny like um italian the italian greyhounds the whippets 
but they oh, always yes. have to wear a sweater and they're always shaking. Like they're so cold. She's at all Iggy. Times. Yeah, she's, she's Iggy, Iggy the Whippet. That's highly fashionable and Absolutely. also loves jewelry and has really it. big eyes. Yes, but also I was thinking about the year that she was born and what they were saying about her ideals and thinking like, yeah, she was thirty in the eighties when everyone was just like obsessed with hyper workouts and eating cottage cheese and all that stuff it like totally kind of fits into her possibly you know falling victim to all that yeah my grandma did every single one of those diets she had her own vinegar mother that she made what's that you make vinegar and kombucha it's the base of it is called the mother because you can infinitely make more and you can like take pieces of it and start a new one um yeah no like but isn't that, that the was, super dangerous kind of thing you can do where she could like have cultures that she isn't supposed that to have happens that if you don't clean your pickling jars correctly yeah there's a very specific way that i also i grew up on a farm so like it wasn't too weird that we had that but it was definitely because of the diet like the root cellar had not been used in a while like your grandma was dieting like that and she wasn't even narcissistic enough to think that she was like Michael Jackson. So, <laughs> oh yeah, no 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 no. She just was I'm... like she was like I'm a poor Irish woman who just wants to weigh so little. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the, the I'm diet sad for Lisa and your like... grandma and their body <laughs> ideals in the 80s and <laughs> So oh, it's, it's a nightmare to think about how bad uh, diet culture got in the 80s and 90s. Just yeah. like with the short, the what are the low rise jeans and the fuck? Oh, God. It's fucking rough out there, dude. Yeah, <sighs> not a fan. Zero stars. Um, but anyways, uh, <laughs> so Lisa Frank's dad was in the automotive industry And he worked for the Detroit Aluminum and Brass Company. And to give you a sense of how wealthy they were, uh, it was the only company in the United States to make engine bearings for the tanks in World War II. And he was an avid art collector and on the board of the Detroit Institute of Arts. So he's like like a guy. And her mom was uh, a potter who had a kiln in the basement and Aww. raised her kids. But but she was also just like surrounded by art growing Absolutely. up in one yeah. way or another. Yeah. yeah. Frank was a self-described girly girl who loved to quote, read, do artwork and anything girly. Um, she said that as a child, she had a lot of energy and her parents would give her crayons and coloring books to shut her up. So <laughs> it's... It's kind of interesting because the more that I sort of read about her life, I'm like, oh, you're one of those rich kids who grew up where your parents were just like really tough on you and you probably weren't always getting the the level of nurturing and affection that you needed as a person. But like in every other way, you were very well provided for. Mm-hmm. Um, she attended the prestigious Cranbrook Kingswood Private High School in Detroit, which that at the time was made up. It does. It does sound made up. It's actually where uh, Mitt Romney and Ann Romney both went to high school. Um, oh, my God. And they had, God. like, a crazy arts program where you had, like, a senior thesis show and you could have, like, an art focus. Like, it was a super intense Whoa. In high school? school? In high school. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So that was her high school. It's, it's kind of crazy. So at 18, she sold out of her senior thesis art show paintings. Total. Wow. She made $3,000. 
And this is in nineteen seventy. No. Yeah, like 1973, she made $3,000 at her senior art show, including selling a painting to Lee Ayakaka, the former president of Chrysler. Yeah, freaking Ayakaka. That guy's super rich. Uh, But also, um, do you know if those paintings, like what the style of those paintings were? Or if it looked like what we would expect? I don't have information on those paintings specifically, but she did say that she also received, quote, a ton of commissions at that time. And she, according to her, according to Lisa Frank, her parents cut her off and stopped paying for her art supplies because of the commissions and the income she was receiving. So basically they were like, well, you're making money. We're not going to pay for your art supplies. Yeah, you're Uh fine. Jesus. So supposedly they did did not financially support her in college at all but she was selling i don't believe out of that though. of these paintings in the 70s yeah me either yeah i don't yeah. fully believe that either i think that i mean when college she was like four dollars a semester at the time but like, stop that's so funny that's true <laughs> what were you guys just living off of walking up hills back then i don't even know um <laughs> well and also but- she she did go to like a community college in Arizona. So oh, okay. she started at Pima Community College and then eventually grad- graduated from the University of Tucson. So oh, interesting. Does she say anything about her art, personal art style between high school and college? Because I'm imagining we would see old 70, 70s commission if people were commissioning them yeah. like that you know what i mean to see like I an old so 70s too. version of what she did on our folders she so according to what i found it said that her early work was abstract so she used uh, a really bright palette yeah. um okay. which actually i have an image of that check it out but I'm not sure if this was, I'm not sure if the abstract work started in high school or if it started in college. Uh-huh. I just got uh-huh. that her early work was abstract. So here it is. Okay. Interesting. And these images will be on our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and GoFundMes? No, Patreon. <laughs> What do we? <laughs> Jordan doesn't know how technology works. She's like, we're putting all of these photos on our Venmo. Please go there. Because <laughs> <laughs> unlike Lisa Frank, my commissions are not paying for my art supplies. So. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, her early stuff, most of it was like this. It was like mostly abstract stuff. Um, and this will be on all of on. On all of the apps that the kids are asking for, we'll have it on all the apps so you can take a look-see there. Oh, it's pretty. Wow, that's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really nice. It kind of looks like Helen Frankenthaler. Like, she absolutely understood art history. Like, this looks like Helen Frankenthaler, uh, maybe a little bit of Lee Krasner. Like, this is uh, an interesting stylistic choice. She cites her early influences as Jasper Johns, Peter Max, and Joseph Albers. Interestingly Interesting. enough. Which the okay. Peter Max I totally see. If you guys don't know, if you're listeners and you're not super art history nerds, Peter Max did the cover, the yellow submarine cover of the Beatles. Um oh. 
So it's a very like trippy. I actually have images of all those artists that I'll pull up real well, quick. And so. Yeah, Jasper Johns is a really interesting artist to credit inspiration as because he uh, is kind of like the... I would say that him and Rauschenberg are in a pretty similar era and Johns was doing really interesting like beeswax paintings of yeah. the American flag. It's really weird. I mean, like you can oh, see, here, so yeah. here, oh. here's Jasper Johns. Here's Joseph yeah. Albers. Here's uh, Peter Max. It's it, You can kind of see the influence. And I think at least in terms of her color theory and the way that right. she's approaching color, you can definitely yes. see that influence. Um, yes. I think that the Peter Max is a lot closer to sort of the illustrative style and the representational right. style that she And she kind of in. is like a softer version of that. Absolutely. And a girlier, poppier version. Later, she would mm. cite anime as an influence. She would cite, um, sure. who's the famous pop art guy? Starts with a K. Kuntz? Is that who it is? He'd be later because that was the 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 dog. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. no, that's, that's the guy. Art. Does that count as pop art? Yeah. No, that's that's the guy because she didn't start oh, doing yeah? her work until the eighties, right? Later. So yeah. So later oh. she cites like Dean Koontz as a major influence. She got really into pop art later. This is kind of an interesting quote that I found though. Um, Lisa Frank said about her dad that her dad loved her paintings and hung her work alongside famous paintings that he had collected. Nah. Quote, it wasn't out of love. He wasn't going to put something on his walls that he didn't think was quality. Mm-hmm. Kind of dark, kind of a dark <laughs> thing to say. Like, it's kind of clear that there's a lot of sort of like competition and judgment in this household. Or definitely like, like thinking you're good enough. Like, for this Yeah, it man sounds like everything she's... Oh, I was just gonna say her dad like what spent his whole life judging art and now she's yeah. gonna make art and I think in yeah, a lot I... of ways it was like a way to to be in his world because it sounds like he wasn't a particularly accessible person in a you know, in a complicated mm-hmm. way. In the way that rich and a way a lot dads sometimes feel. Okay, yeah, so it does kind of seem like like we Kind of suspending on just even like you're saying the narrative that she's trying to build for herself, but it seems like she might have been kind of lonely growing yeah. up. Yeah, did she mention friends or anything at any of these she, schools? Or she doesn't really mention a lot of friends. Although in some of the testimony from later, people who are like former friends from high school come forward and have things to say. Um, but for the most part, like it, I couldn't find any evidence that she had brothers or sisters. I couldn't, you know, it sounded like she was just kind of like this kid in a big house by herself a lot of the time, yes. you know? Yeah. And it also sounds like there might not have been healthy boundaries in her household or healthy oh. boundaries later in the household that she created with her own children, which I think is interesting. Oh, no. So we'll talk about that in a little bit too. It's uh, also very dark the way that she talks about her family because in moments that should be, oh, they're proud of me. She's like, no, it's not because they love me. I need to make that so clear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, but it will. And I don't know if this will be indicative of whatever messed up stuff I might have. But it's like it seems like that's where she holds 
it's like she's doing that but in her head for the respect of like yes no it's because i'm good like it's not because he loves me (laughs) like yeah that's almost more important to her it seems like yeah it i my stepdad was this kind of parent so i get it like my stepdad is a carpenter he's a perfectionist he sanded all of the cabinetry in our home to such a high grit that when you touch it it feels like glass like he is an insane person and he built everything himself and I would know with my stepdad when I did a good job on something because I would show it to him and he would have nothing to criticize but he he would never say like you did a good job I'm proud of you yeah it was just like silence yeah he would just look at it for a long time and go huh and that I, that was like as close as to like good job I ever got. So like I totally oh get it. Um, so to make money in college, because her ultra wealthy parents had cut her off, Frank would go to Indian reservations and buy work from native artists and resell them and make a profit, which oh. is problematic. Now I would yeah. say pretty problematic. Uh, but it's okay because I did it with her jewelry. Karma's a bitch. <laughs> who's reselling at a profit now lisa frank what's up lisa frank said quote i would tell them what to make and realize that everything i told them versus what they wanted to make on their own sold so oh that's so no so now she's become like a native art dealer of some sort what year is this her ideas are so much better than or sell more because she's selling them to white people yeah this is around the hives of racism are starting oh my gosh you guys we're gonna have documented (laughs) proof that ignorance makes jordan break out I'm literally like racism and or exploitation sends Jordan's body into shock. My body is like, we cannot handle this. Shut it down. The sheer injustice. This is not the first time this has happened to you. This happens every time you get really upset about racism. I know. It's why I text you guys at like 2 a.m. too. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's like so race funny. triggered rosacea or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. This is gonna be a rough podcast series oh for no. me. I will say it's there that's like most of the racism for this podcast. Like there are other bad things, but it's mostly not racism. Um oh, cool. no, I guess. That sounded I, weird. I mean <laughs> it's a it's a give and a take. I would. S- <laughs> this is the moment. So Lisa Frank is going to Indian reservations. She is telling native artists what to create, and a lot of what she's telling the, cr- a lot of what she's telling them to create are just sort of what's popular at the time: teddy bears, right. unicorns, whatever. Like it's a lot of very seventies kitsch. Um, yeah. And this is you know this is like 1975. She's in college around that era so you can understand that what she's doing is she's just recognizing like i'm selling a lot my goal is to make money this is all we're doing that's that's it so directly contradicting what she would later say in a court affidavit frank claims quote 
At first, I didn't want to do unicorns. The artist in me said no. Then I thought, wait a minute. This is commercial art. Let's do what's going to sell. So later in affidavits, Frank says that like, this is her spirit and it's her passion and her artwork represents the truest, deepest part of who she is. But in this interview from Urban Outfitters, that is not what she says in 2012. So wow. it's kind of contradictory. Um, in 1975, Frank started a brand called Sticky Fingers, which stick with Lisa Frank, babe. Sticky Fingers is not yeah. the way to go. It definitely That's sounds like- That's a rip like- franchise. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> I was what I thought. I, was I like- pictured it. I was like, wait, I know what Sticky Fingers is. That's ribs. <laughs> it's, it's ribs or it's touching people you're not supposed to be touching or stealing things you're not supposed to steal. Like it's definitely, it's, it's all of the Lisa Frank folders that I stole because we were not rich. <laughs> Sticky fingers. <laughs> Sticky fingers is what they call Jordan at the scholastic book fair. <laughs> oh, you guys have unlocked somehow. A, you guys have unlocked a fun fact because Tiffany Haddish once admitted to stealing Lisa Frank stationery when she was a child because she couldn't afford it. And she actually, <laughs> asked to take Lisa Frank out to lunch to make up for the folder she stole as a child. So they oh, had to To a tone. Stop and and Lisa went? Yeah, they went. They had lunch together. Oh and my been, god. This okay, I didn't put this in the episode because there was so much stuff I wanted to include, but Tiffany yeah. Haddish and Lisa Frank had a conversation about a possible collaboration. And to, this is Tiffany Haddish is just pure of heart, I think. Um, but she wants to do a series of black unicorns for like black girls. Oh, for like, her, because um, that's the name of her special yeah, 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 yeah it's so she wanted to do like a black unicorn like collab and then she also wanted to That'd do like cool. a line of um like children's travel cosmetics for kids in foster care so tiffany haddish Aww. is just the best person ever um That's but yeah she took lisa and frank lisa out to lunch looks like she is an insane asylum personified yeah it's <laughs> like I she think- just has the sterility of like the 1920s i don't understand i mean i think well, lisa no, frank I think is really complicated the, that's what the 50s and 60s did to women yeah <laughs> not, not not literally like it's an excuse but that's what i look at she looks like she was birthed from a stepford wife like she yes. looks like she could cry in that same facial position and i don't know if that's her fault yeah that's completely fair no the <laughs> you're you're totally right because i know i do understand objectively that that was a photo of her but it does feel like if she were there it would just be that where she just stares without blinking and does not move a single muscle no hair is out of place her turtleneck is perfectly rounded we'll even like learning we'll see like what more we learn about her growing up in younger years but it's like that's what happens when like infants don't get hugged enough yeah all that shit like swaddling is important people need to feel heartbeats it's the whole thing yeah yeah i'm not i'm not gonna get into my own childhood but let's keep moving uh (laughs) so the sticky finger fingers brand would later just become lisa frank incorporated thank god okay horrible name um but the brand started off in what frank describes as a garage 
But in most other articles, it's described as a guest house, which, again, you can sort of see her softening the myth building right. of her own privilege of just like it was just so hard. We were in a garage and everyone else is like, that was a guest house. That was a whole other house you had. That is not a garage. Yeah. That's your other like, house. We were so scrappy. You had to walk outside to another building to go to the bathroom. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. In your guest house. That's not an outhouse. Get out of here. What are you doing? Um, but yeah, Sticky- it's the Bill Gates dropped out of college when no, he took a semester sabbatical to build yeah. a computer <laughs> in his parents' garage. This was not someone who, yeah, oh, that kind of shit bugs me. I hate it's just it. Just so like much. a little tweak. She's her own publicist. <laughs> I mean, yeah, kind of, yeah. And that is what we we'll see this. I'm sure we're gonna see this. Every fucking time we we start really looking into artists, I'm sure that this is just going to be the whole freaking story because, like, all artists do this. Artists that I know in real life have done this. Where you're like, no, you didn't. You didn't hustle. (laughs) (laughs) Your name's Jeremy and you had a nice house. Get out of (laughs) here. Here's the sticky fingers. So what sticky fingers were is they were basically just, like, these charm bracelets and she made them herself. So she would just like hot glue them together or like drill holes in gems or whatever and make these little charm bracelets. And according to her, she just like could not keep them in stock. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So you see there's like a fish and a seahorse charm and these little like jewels and this rabbit that has two eyes that are red for some reason. It's kind of creepy, actually. But it is. I was about to say that's that's bonicula and I don't like it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. That's (laughs) terrifying. This is clearly well, like that, that sort of she... like 80s kitsch, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she went from, well, I can't keep it in stock because I refuse to hire people or let people know that people work for me. Uh, but then she decided, okay, I'm just going to send out the parts in a kit and kids can make these. Well, <laughs> make your own sticky fingers. <laughs> no, so I was for, that. for sticky fingers, she actually would have people come over to her house or her guest house, her garage, if you will. (laughs) But she had a bunch of people like come over and they would like glue all these things together. And then she had like reps that would go out and sell them. Um, Wow. Yeah. She was like like, cut cutcoing these bracelets. Basically. Yeah. It was like a whole operation. Did she pay these people in more than pizza? Like that's the real question. Was Uh, this a come over and help me move my couch. I'll give you a Bud Light and a slice of pizza or. It's that's actually I put it in my notes because it's unclear because it just says her friends would come over. She here. This is the quote. Um. She had a bunch of friends helping her in her garage make them, but it doesn't a say bunch of like helping her. Like, are yeah. they helping her because we're just having a fun I good time do... and I'm not paying you? Yeah, because I'll tell you right now, if you invite me over, Andrea, you're getting like one fun bracelet making <laughs> party out of me. Yeah, maybe absolutely. two. And then like, you're gonna I'm rent those gonna... bracelets out to family members. <laughs> exactly no but also i feel like in the 80s she was gonna sell a lot just based on how people wore bracelets everybody wore at least 10 bracelets at any given time like the numbers were there stash right it was like anybody saw a bracelet they liked and they were like i'll take seven like that it seems more like the style was on her side for this brand 
Yeah, I definitely around this time, like I would, you know, I was born in 88, but even like into the 90s, I could hear my mom coming, you know, because of all the bracelets. Yes. So it's like, I misunderstood I it. what you just said. Oh, no. Jordan, oh, no. my God. Jordan. <laughs> my parents had sex on Sundays after church and my brother and I were usually gone. So like. It's fine. Oh my god! It's fine. Oh, why do you know that? Because my parents don't have boundaries. Because some people don't have boundaries. Because you're That's gone. Like you weren't there. That's how much I don't need to know that you're having sex. Yeah. I'm not in. The, I'm not in the house. I don't need to know that. My parents don't have boundaries. Uh, so, so yeah. So she made them in her garage. And this, okay. When I was reading the interview, things got a little bit weird. She, out of nowhere in this interview, just brings up that it was a really scary time. This was like the late 70s, early 80s. She she just says like it was a really scary time because a lot of the Sticky Fingers reps were gay men that were dying of AIDS. So she just like throws that into the interview like it's nothing. Jesus. But then, but also, <laughs> is she on like some sociopath shit where she's like, it was really hard because everyone I needed to help me was dying. Like, <laughs> it's I unclear. don't like how she's narrating this. It's this kind of garage 2.0. Well, so and this is kind yes. of I think this response helps kind of. It's like a little bit bizarre, and I think she's just a little bit bizarre. So okay. the interviewer, there's the interview of this article. Carly Mark asks her, like, do you think that how scary it was for you to see your friends getting ill and people you love dying? Do you think that contributed to why you were drawn to creating these sort of like happy, perfect world building stuff of like bright colors and everything's fun? Like, do you think that was a direct response? to how you felt and she just goes no i think the reason i made what i made is because i'm unconventional oh <laughs> which my is like God. you're selling the most kitsch like i'm selling this to sell it kind of stuff and you're saying like no i'm just remarkable so like it's wow because i really thought she reasonable was reasonable artist statement like i was just about to say yeah. All she had to do was yes and it. I really thought she was going to. (laughs) Absolutely. And she could have been so... People would have studied that that. shit up. Absolutely. Yeah, they would have. That thesis is almost my artist statement of... I did a series called um, Enchanted Pet Shop, which is just like the cutest shit. It looks very Lisa Frank. It's really bright. It's fun animals. They're fucking adorable. They're amazing. But the whole thing was just like... It's a global pandemic. My boyfriend just broke up with me. Everything is making me sad. Here's the cutest shit I can make because I literally can't handle anything else right now. And if yes. she had just been honest about that and, you know, she could have taken that and been like, yeah, that's what, you know, I have just so much darkness inside. I have to paint the rainbow. <laughs> you, we would eat that shit up. Oh, but, yeah. But I almost, it's almost kind of... <laughs> poetic justice that her arrogance didn't let her take that that she was like oh no it's me yeah (laughs) yeah and i i think i don't know she's just kind of interesting and again like because she is so private we don't get a Mm -hmm. lot of information about her and so we're kind of guessing on who she is you know at the end of the day she's not 
in the public eye the way that a lot of celebrities are and especially right now like the way we have access to even just like instagram influencers and stuff like that like we just don't have that insight so a lot of this is guessing but Yeah. yeah Lisa Frank uh, transitioned from the jewelry to other items. And one of the first things she made was called an all-in-one, which I thought was really interesting and also totally want. Uh, It had a painting of a teddy bear on the front with eyes that were star earrings. And when you opened the box and took out the earrings, the lid was a pin. And inside the box was a necklace. What? Which is, I'm just like, my. Br- I couldn't find pictures of it. I want it. I just know that I yeah, want it. Yeah, what? I That's know that whether I'm five or 35, insane. I want it. Like, it's just yeah. fun. It's like, and then it's a pin. Because where was the pin? The, the pin, pin was the right lid. With? It's like a pretty, pretty princess transformer jewelry box. Where you're like... <laughs> It's a box, but then it holds all the things that it is, and then you can wear them, and you're the prettiest princess. And I'm just like, yes, I want it. Pretty princess transformers. <laughs> it's yeah. so fucking cool. Totally love it. I'm just imagining a transformer with like a and just a bow forms at the very top. Yes, absolutely. More than meets the eye. Ding. She she basically says it took off like wildfire and of course I got knocked off. And I think that we're going to see later that Lisa Frank knockoffs are like totally a thing and she doesn't like them, which I get. I kind of am a Lisa Frank knockoff, so I'm part of the problem, but whatever. But also the fact of the matter is, is that she is not this God that she has set herself up to be. Yeah, she's creating kitsch work. Exactly. And she's it's it it honestly reminds me of Anish Kapoor uh yes. trademarking that color uh black like yes. everyone yes, everyone who goes against Lisa Frank is now just a Stuart Semple to me. Like, yeah. Making black too. Oh, is that the guy that made the free pink. black? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> We should do an episode on Stuart Semple and Anish Kapoor and that beef. It's really fun. Oh, yeah. I will. So then Frank started. So she kind of moved on. So she's like, she's really young. She's starting this business in her garage. She's sort of just kind of throwing things at the wall and being like, kids will buy this shit. Kids, will, you know, people will buy this. So she's really just yes. trying to find whatever people will buy. And she's, yes. but she is tapping into this fundamental bit of magic I think that especially children love which is the idea of like being able to take things apart the the concept of transformation and presentation I think is something that Lisa Frank as a designer really understands is the idea of Mm -hmm. like how we interact with products and how we want what what she's selling to us is magic and our own creativity she's not just selling like a cute rainbow she's selling an idea and i think that Mm -hmm. is something that she really understands well um Mm -hmm. so kind of moving on from that all-in-one and sort of around this time frank started doing buttons she's doing you know like Remember when you used to make your own buttons and you would like press the pin to the back and like cut out magazines or whatever. She starts making her own original artwork and scaling it down to create her own buttons. Mm. So buttons were really big at this time. Um, She started getting things mass produced in China to 
again, increase her profits. And she licensed characters like Betty Boop, Felix the Cat, Mighty Mouse, and Popeye. And I am going to show wow. you my favorite image that I found. Oh, it's my Betty God. Boop riding a unicorn over a rainbow. <laughs> As oh like a Greek God. goddess. Yeah, she's yeah. a Greek goddess. The unicorn is trying to fuck, I think. Like, I yeah, don't... Yeah, that unicorn I, has... We're gonna bone forever eyes. <laughs> that unicorn is looking at her like it thinks it's a centaur, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. I don't know what that means, but like... This isn't the only horn I've got for you, baby. <laughs> yeah, that unicorn is DTF. He's definitely horny. That was beautiful, though. <laughs> yeah, it's really cute. And you sort of see, you can see she has that, like, 70s style. You know, yes, if you I look at see, 70s. Like, I can see my friend growing up, her mom's boyfriend was this biker uh, named Hank. I can see Hank having a tattoo of that yeah. on his arm that he, yeah. like, got in Daytona. Like everything about that. I'm just getting such a beautiful insight into your life, Katrina. <laughs> That's so specific. <laughs> like I see Hank right now, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you see Betty Boo riding on a unicorn and you're probably thinking drugs, all the drugs, every single drug. <laughs> but Frank denies the hypothesis saying, quote, I couldn't do what I did if I was on drugs. Which is bullshit. Uh, I've been to art school. You can absolutely draw Betty Boop riding a unicorn on drugs. You can absolutely do that. I um, do feel like she would say that because no one offered her drugs. Where the fuck are her friends? We have not mentioned anyone being her friend. Like, well, when you look like an AI made in the 1980s, then aww. I don't think people who sell drugs are going to approach you. She does. She does look like if the guys from Weird Science built a mom. Like, she does have that vibe to her. Oh, my God. I love that this is just the roast of Lisa Frank at this point. Um, <laughs> well, you I told us that your idol hurt your feelings. We we do not stand for anything hurting Andrea Gazetta's feelings, okay? I mean, also, that photo is just telling as hell. Like, it any is. artist so should know. It is like, I'm sorry that your still photo eats into my soul. I didn't make this world. You know what's yeah, wild, not- too, is like that is a headshot. Like that is a curated shot that she was like, I look good in this. And this is what I want everyone to see. Yeah, because yeah, she's only got like that. four that you were able to find. So this yeah, was an right. intentional photo that she looked yeah. at and went, no, I don't look like I subsist solely off the souls of children. So obviously <laughs> this needs to be representative of my brand. Absolutely. I like <laughs> this one. I look warm here. Let's use this one. Let's do that one. As, as warm as February in Maine. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so in 1982... This is kind of, so around this time, Frank has started a brand. She's doing Sticky Fingers. Around 1982 is when she gets her big break. And it is that Spencer's Gifts approaches her. (laughs) No! And asks if she would be willing to do a rainbow-themed dildo. No, I'm joking. That's not real, but I want one. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
They you asked know, her to I make stickers. You know they have one of those now, though. They oh, definitely absolutely. have a rainbow dildo now. It's I think Jordan has one. Uh, I just said Spencer's. I found them at the, the yeah. store down the street at our place. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm pretty sure Jordan owns a rainbow deal, dildo, Jordan's right? Jordan's like, you do not have to go What's all the way to Spencer's. What's confetti and clear, okay? <laughs> Which that is kind of what I was more imagining is like that 80s. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Thing. Party Marty is alive and well. I will uh, let you guys is know. Is that the name of the dildo? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did Jordan tell you this, Katrina, or did she just tell me about it? I no, just told you no about idea. this. Because <laughs> we had a homework session that had nothing to do with homework. And oh, yeah. <laughs> Jordan has a special dildo for FaceTiming. <laughs> Yeah, and it's confetti because the it's the beautiful. ones that are flesh colored freak me out. It, there's something I like I don't. That. It's yeah, it's like seeing a snake on your porch. I just I don't like it. It's upsetting. <laughs> yeah. I can't. Jordan Jordan reacts to flesh colored dildos how cats do in those super cuts with cucumbers. <laughs> <She's> like, ah! <laughs> what is it? I absolutely oh, I did. I absolutely <laughs> did. I was at the store and I was just like, I'm so uncomfortable. I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> I feel these seem dangerous instinctively. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that anywhere near me. You and know what I think it is? Like, I, think what? That, I think that flesh colored dildos are kind of like the way that we perceive AI or puppets or clowns where it's like it's, it's human, that uncanny but it's not valley. A human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like Lisa Frank, I, you know, like it's human, but it's not a human, you know? Yep. I mean, I love that because what year is this? 80 something? This is around, so this is 1982. So she sells. Okay. I love that Spencer's Gifts is like, I don't institution. know. A part yeah. of this story at all. Yes. Yeah. What? <laughs> Spencer's gifts is like a part of the timeline. Like you can't go back in time and ruin Spencer's gifts or we won't have Lisa Frank. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> Absolutely. This is cool as hell. They were like her, like they, she was doing her own thing. Like she was definitely producing products. She was definitely like growing as a brand. But I think this is like the hit that put her on the map. And what they asked her to do is create essentially a million dollars worth of stickers, which is so many wow. stickers. That's I w- so that's many stickers. In 1982, that's so many fucking stickers. <laughs> um, at the time, I thought this was really interesting. At the time, stickers were printed using flexography, which is basically just like a bunch of rollers and the roller like picks up the die and then puts the die onto a plate and then puts the plate onto the thing and the thing gets smashed between wow. it. It's this really complicated process. But she, Lisa Frank is so obsessive. She was concerned about... When you use that printing process, it's really fast. Like those rollers are just like churning things out at all times. But the quality of the print, because you're using this sort of like, it's touching the ink, then the ink is touching something else, then it's touching the product. There's so many opportunities for the ink to run or to bleed or the colors to melt together. So she actually has, fun fact, there's a specific Sorry. Lisa Frank branded ink to keep the colors bright. And each print to this day goes through a four color process. And it is so secret that all the licensees have to sign a confidentiality agreement about how she creates her colors. What? Yeah. Wow. Which so is they're really not cool. CMYK or something? They, I don't know. Is I mean, she obviously has some it's kind of hyper. Yeah, it's like super color, which... 
I so I produce neon colors are really really difficult to produce and especially reproduce and when I was in my early days I would say in like 2012 is when I started using hyper bright colors in my own work and I created a series of these large watercolor paintings using super bright colors using like opera pink neons stuff like that and my plan was to get them photographed at a high quality and then created in the scarves but the problem is most color printers first of all most cameras can't pick up neon so they won't pick up that mm. color in a way that translates well and second of all most printers can't print neon so mm. to oh. find someone to photograph my work and then create it i just couldn't get a product that i felt good about because everything just looked like kind of off more you just muted yeah it's like really huh. muted it's like darker and you just can't get that like neon pop that is to me what gives mm-hmm. that color life and so yeah. that when i when lisa frank is like i have my own special inks i was like i gotta break what? into the vault i want it yeah that's oh yeah no sick. i think you should email her that she could make a million dollars if she uh <laughs> set up a patent and sold it to artists and then <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she could, absolutely. But I mean, I think that is part of her sort of like secretiveness in a lot of ways. Like she has some genius ideas. Like she does know what she's doing. And as a way, like as someone who is running a business, like, yeah, she went above and beyond and she did create a spectacular product sort of with her idiosyncrasies. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. But it's also like, but like you said, what are we going to have to wait for her to like die and then Pantone will come out with like a Lisa (laughs) Frank series? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, but I can see like after she dies, I'm sure her trust would continue it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, But even thinking of, of the in terms of like a regular printer, it does seem like it's starting with colors too dark. Right. To make colors that bright. Yeah. yeah. You, you cannot make a neon pink yeah. CMYK color. With you have to colors. use a special yeah. color process. Absolutely. Oh, that's freaking crazy. That's why, like, if I was going to do that project again, I would do it through screen printing and I would design it all digitally and be able oh, to choose yeah. my screen print ink so that I could get those hyper brights. Because then yes. you're using, like, a direct match from ink to product. And that's kind of the only way to get those colors the way you want them. Um, So Lisa Frank is doing pretty good. Uh, In 1987, she launched her first line of school supplies with her original characters like Panda the Painter, which remains some of her most popular characters today. You guys remember Panda the Painter? He's got like the little backwards cap and he's like got a little paintbrush and he's like having a good time. So silly. Uh, the commercial slogan at the time was "You gotta have it," which I think is really cute. <laughs> I do. I kind of remember that. This is oh my god. Okay, we're gonna. I'm gonna show this to you now. This commercial aired in 1996, and let yes. me just make sure that oh I. Oh my gosh! I'm so excited it. for this. It's really good. Oh no! I feel okay, like this on. is gonna be my version of like the Manchurian Candidate uh, notice, like this. Commercial. Oh my gonna gosh! Play, what if watching just commercial? Like, <laughs> Jordan just stands up and leaves the podcast, and we don't know where she's going. She just goes back to the Lisa Frank like center at the Earth or something. Okay, I'm gonna share I have to this. Go with back you guys. so she can harvest my kidneys for her special Le- ink. 
Lisa Frank's home base is on Area 51. You can't prove to me otherwise. Oh my God, I remember this already. Kind of like her outfit. Also, is that Mila Kunis? Yeah. That, yeah. Oh yeah, it says it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's so Oh my loud. gosh, I didn't see. Oh, this is this is the building. This is Lisa Frank Inc. <gasps> wow. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. <gasps> no. <laughs> I definitely remember like her oh being my God. in this store setting. You it's like really it fucking cute. It was very cute. I love my Lacuna. Wow. She's, she's an adorable child. I was oh trying goodness, to cover yes. it up and I was going to have you guys guess who it was, but it didn't work. But yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I didn't see the caption and still was like, oh my gosh, that girl looks like Mila Kunis. Um, totally Mila Kunis. Because she's just. Yeah, looks you like called a, it immediately. Yeah, it looks her, just like her. Her eyes are stunning. Yeah. Yes, she was a beautiful child. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, hold on one second. So, so that was 90. What year was that? That was in 96. The school supplies came out? The, the school oh, supplies yes. came out in 87, but that's kind of when she starts okay. that whole branding of like, the you gotta have it, which I think is really okay. funny because at the same time that we're all going through D.A.R.E. and they're like, don't believe in peer <laughs> pressure, keep kids off drugs. It's like, but these rainbow necklaces, I need them. <laughs> For sure. And so, okay, so like around 1987, around this time when she's coming out with this line of school supplies, when the whole you gotta have it thing is happening, all of the company's designs were hand painted, which means that each design started with an idea, moved to a pencil sketch, were airbrushed onto an 18 by 24 painting before wow. being approved for production. Then, of course, they're all this is the 80s and 90s. They're being photographed. Um, yeah. And then they're so they were taking pictures of the 18 by 24s. Yeah, so they're they're taking what? really big to make the folders and everything to make folders and stickers, e stickers what? to make stickers, eighteen by twenty four artwork, which is pretty standard in illustration. Um, they okay, it's still a little crazy for illustration. You're gonna get a lot more detail okay. than you need, but for yeah. most illustration, you're gonna create something at at least twice the scale of what you want okay. it printed on. Um, a lot of times, okay. like four times scale, because you want all that detail, but physically you can't. Yes create that detail um, right at that size God. yeah yeah and each piece took on average three months to go from idea to product which is wow. insane and she you know she has a team it's not just her she right. she has other people right. working yeah, for her because you kind of assume that it, it, it's interesting because you do kind of assume that lisa frank just popped into being like the android that she looks like and then also all of her items, all every, everything just kind of appeared and suddenly yeah. it was there for back to school. And then, yeah. but as a kid, you never think about that. There's a process to any of it. It's just like, Oh yeah, no, it's immaculate conception at target. Like this shit is just here now. Yeah. You never think that there's a man not hanging out with his family crying while he airbrushes your puppy. <laughs> like you just don't think about that. <laughs> He's just, just like staying up late. As he, <laughs> <laughs> he just never think about that. Um, and as Lisa Frank said in an Urban Outfitters interview in 2012, quote, one drawing can take hundreds of hours. People have to stop me. I'm crazy. I'm a lunatic. Whoa. Direct quote from hey. Lisa Frank. <laughs> 
That is just I, mean, I like un- someone who knows themselves. Absolutely. That's uncomfortable. Absolutely. It is. Un- I mean, to think of someone looking into the dead eyes of a golden retriever for a hundred hours is like, <laughs> whoa, like, girl. I'm a lunatic. It has <laughs> yeah. to be perfect. It's a lot. Oh. Um, by 1989, which is just 10 years after founding the Sticky Fingers brand, Lisa Frank Incorporated had moved to an over 10,000 square foot warehouse and had started designing digitally, which meant mm-hmm. it t- kind of meant that, I mean, this is 1989 and they're already starting yeah. to do digital design. They must have had those iMacs, wow. you know, the like big Apple Macintosh Oh my gosh, they were like half yeah. a room. Yeah. That was what the space was for. It was just Absolutely. for them to have giant computers. Wait, because where was the warehouse? The warehouse is in Tucson, Arizona. So, okay. yeah, this is. She I mean, really she, liked Arizona. She went to college there. She, yeah, yeah. she really set up, set up her life there. Where did I she mean, grow up? She grew up in, in uh, de- near Detroit. Just in up Michigan. Yeah, it's just a really interesting shift to go from mm. a place like Michigan to the high desert. As someone who's been cold their entire life, I get it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the high I'm desert also from the Midwest, no, and yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how it is now, but like, it's that that whole area is is really hot in I, the summer, and then monsoons and snow. I do feel like she's kind of, in terms of even the art maybe starting from her just, you know, being able to see what was popular at the time and kind of flipping those paintings from the native people in Arizona and all that. It's like marketing has seems to be kind of a big part of her talent. You know what I mean? Even the ability to kind of like foreshadow, like it started in 87. Even the fact that like I was born in 87, that was such perfect timing for kind of our parents having kids and everything being more fun and geared towards children. And I don't know, she kind of is this really well positioned time wise for a lot of the, a lot of her innovations. Absolutely. And I, I think too, that like, she has really heavy, like, turquoise lady energy, if that makes sense, which kind of, yes. like, she feels like Arizona to me. Like, that makes sense. But I do think you're right, too. Like, if you're getting a 10,000-square-foot warehouse, it would be nice to do it in a city where the rent isn't insane. Like, imagine doing that in Chicago yeah. or New York or L.A. Like, that would be crazy. So part of that innovation and her ability to grow is, like, having that sort of space to spread out, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and control, like and being control. like, oh, this this sticker printing situation is not going to make stickers that I want to put my name on. So I'm changing it or whatever, like at whatever um, at whatever height she's able to have control. She does seem to take it or create it <laughs> around 1984. I forgot to include this earlier, but around 1984, shortly after the death of her father, Lisa Frank hires her first in-house designer and illustrator, James A. Green, and admits to a former schoolmate, Roy E. Hayes Jr., that she has a crush on him. Hayes states, and I quote, 
Given that her father had recently passed away and she had previously been romantically involved with someone in her business, I cautioned her about getting too carried away too quickly. In 1992, James A. Green, once a lowly in-house illustrator at Lisa Frank Industries, is suddenly named the president and CEO. In 1994, Lisa Frank and James A. Green wed. Wow. In 1995, their first son, Hunter Green, is born. Around this time, Frank hands over... <laughs> Hunter Green, sorry. I know. Oh, the second one's not better. <laughs> the second one's not better, baby. Uh, around this time, Frank hands over control of her daily operations to her husband in order to spend more time with her child. A second child, Forrest Green, would arrive in 1999. Oh. <laughs> They did not. They did. they did not do that to those poor boys. Those poor, poor kids. Oh, I really do feel I'm bad surprised for the they didn't get. Men- I'm surprised they didn't get Menendez <laughs> naming them Forrest and Hunter. Menendez. Oh God. Oh my God. Oh my God. It could still happen. Was- honestly, it's- that's rough. Oh my God. Uh, in 1996. Lisa Frank Incorporated moved to the 320 square foot warehouse, which housed a team of 500 employees, including artists, designers, and fabricators, which remains the headquarters to this day. At its peak, the company grossed $60 million a year. Business was booming, but it wouldn't last, baby. I was about to say, (laughs) how many years did they make money like that? At least a couple, though. I would say from like 1986, like around, or sorry, I would say 87, you know, when they got that big Uh. deal with Spencer's Gifts. Wait, no, that's 82. So I would say like 87 when she has her own brand and she's not licensing the the images out. Yeah, so I would say like 87 to like, 96 like she had a solid decade of like yeah good business it was i mean to an extent where like she had a private jet for a while like it was crazy what they had a frank jet they had a lisa frank jet do you have a photo of it no i wish i did stupid as it should be (laughs) let me see i'm imagining that it legit looked like falcor and there's just like a beautiful, majestic Cessna flying through See, the sky. I just want to imagine that it had that like 1970s airbrushed van, but it's the Betty Boop on a unicorn. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I love that so much. Because now I'm, for some reason, smoke over water started playing in my head. Like up and like, bam, 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 bam. Just like her. Her badass private jet flying through the sky. Oh and she God. walks out, but not a single hair on her head moves. It was when a it Cessna. comes down, a bunch of a bunch of smoke comes out like they hotboxed it. You can't smoke in the sky. <laughs> you can absolutely smoke in the sky. There's no rules in the air. What are you talking about? Not when you're on the Frank Cessna. Oh my god. Yeah, it was a Cessna too. You guys fucking nailed it. <laughs> it's fucking crazy but things are doing good right everything's fucking crazy we're getting all those folders we're wearing a hundred lisa frank necklaces because we can't untie them because they don't come with clasps and they're all 
like muddled together into one giant super necklace like that video game where you're a ball and you pick up trash in the city of Tokyo, but it's around your neck and your mother has to cut it off so you can go to the pool. Like some kind of rainbow rat king and just all tied together at the tail. That's exactly what I had going on, baby. But. By 2001, according to a woman named Carolyn, speaking with the Tucson Weekly, Lisa Frank was notorious as, quote, the world's shittiest employer. Oh, no. Shit gets dark, baby. And I quote, it was a revolving door, said Jacob, a former employee of the 40-person creative staff at Lisa Frank. One year, almost a third of the entire staff turned over. On Indeed.com, Lisa Frank scores the following out of five stars. 2.5 on work-life balance. (gasps) 2.1 on pay and benefits. 2.0 for job security and advancement. 2.6 for management. And 2.5 for culture. And you know wow. there are that there are managers who went on there and like gave it five stars because they're like, I think it was right. great. I made Talk. a lot of money. I was just thinking that that's with everyone who offset it by being like, I got out okay. Yeah. And it's still a two. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh my this God. Here is a one-star review left on Indeed.com by a former illustrator in August of 2018. Quote, the worst company to work for on every level. The products are icons, but the figurehead leader of this company should not be running it. Incredibly high turnover rate due to ruthless management and unreasonable expectations. No insurance, no benefits, and no freedom (gasps) on top of no creative freedom. Stay away. Wow. Can she? Is that why there's only 40 people? Because how can she not have insurance or benefits? So, yes. If you are below, I think it's 25 employees or 20 employees. That's what I thought. If it's 40, that's too many. Yeah. So during during the early, during its heyday, Lisa Frank employed about 500 people. Today, it has 16 employees. Oh, okay. It's crazy. By the early aughts, according to the signed affidavits of 16 former employees and business associates, James A. Green, Lisa Frank's husband and CEO of Lisa Frank Incorporated and Rhonda Rowlett, VP of the company, had managed to destroy many of the professional relationships that had made Lisa Frank successful. According to a signed affidavit, by Jeffrey L. Buchanan, a sales and marketing firm that specializes in developing products for Target, James and Rhonda are a toxic presence at Lisa Frank Incorporated. They were also, according to former employees, totally boning. <laughs> oh, no. Because yeah, I was about to say, who the hell is Rhonda? Yeah. Where did she come from? So she's the VP. So the, the shit is fucking crazy. I read through all these affidavits. Basically, it was just this Like, constant- did Lisa hire her? No. So Lisa <gasps> Frank, when her kids were born in the early, in 1999, when her first son right. was born, she went to be a stay-at-home mom. So her... Right. Interesting. It, I kind of read it through a lot of these affidavits. Is Basically what happened was a lot of the business relationships for Lisa Frank Incorporated were originally garnered between Lisa Frank herself and marketing mm-hmm. companies, you know, Target, people who were representing yes. the brand. So all of those business sort of contacts and connections were made by Lisa Frank personally. 
But she was like, well, I just want to stay home and take care of my kids, you know, and her husband started to kind of be more in the mix. Um, Right. To be like, oh, well, I take this meeting now. And it's like, I've been talking to this lady about our, you know, whatever our projections are for five years or whatever. And it's like, who's this guy? Yeah. And that's kind of what happened. And the way that you hear the story from people that represented the brand and had dealt with Frank is basically like he kind of came into the mix and they were still like, well, I still want to talk to Lisa about this because it's her brand. And he'd be like, no, you only talk to me. You only talk to me or Rhonda. Uh, and they, he kind oh. of cut off contact between important clients and Lisa. So she didn't really and know what know was going Lisa on with the brand. That? She didn't really know. So it, it, it gets really interesting. This is Here's a quote about James A. Green and Rhonda Rowlett's relationship from a former employee published in the Tucson Star in 2013. My wife and I were shopping at the Tucson Mall over the 4th of July weekend in 2005, and we stopped by the Lisa Frank retail store in the mall, and we were surprised to see James and Rhonda together in the store on a three-day weekend. We had a short conversation with James. Rhonda didn't say much. And after we left them, We both thought it strange that they would be together and that Rhonda acted sort of caught off guard at seeing us and acted uncomfortable. And we wondered why James wasn't with his family and Rhonda wasn't with her husband on a holiday weekend. Something wasn't right. So there's all this sort of just like weird, like inner office gossip. There is James. I love that like the town of Tucson is now involved in this scandal because <laughs> Absolutely. I mean all I agree with all of that deductive reasoning. Absolutely. Also. And there's a oh, lot yeah. more evidence for it sort of later on. I mean oh, shit. there 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 are people who are basically like they were fuck buddies. It was an open secret in the office, you know. Right. We didn't oh, understand. You just know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it's really interesting. So kind of what they started doing is they were together kind of they started tapping employees phones to stop them from talking to Lisa and telling her what was going on in the business. So at the time, James A. Green owned 49% of the stock shares and Lisa Frank owned 51%. That 49% was gifted to him on their wedding day. So she still owned a controlling percentage. Because also, wait, timeline-wise, how long did they date before they got married? So when she met him and hired him to him... She said she Being had a crush on him in like 1984 and they he was named CEO in 1992. So like they were dating for like Less eight years. I mean, he put in some groundwork got, to absolutely. Dis- in terms of being a sleaze bag, but he didn't do it that fast. Dang. No, no. <laughs> but he was her first like illustrator. So they had like a very close working personal relationship. And I think that, you know, when you are starting a business and you have one employee right now, I have a business and I have one person that comes and helps me pack packages. It's Tatiana and she's fucking amazing. And she comes and helps me pack packages when I have shop updates. And it's like the relationship that I have just with one person who's coming to help me is so different than I would have for like a huge business that you sort of feel like, Oh, this person is helping me build this business. Like they're, they're in this with me. You owe them even something. Yeah. Oh man. Definitely. Definitely. And uh, yeah, just don't fuck your employees or people you're working with professionally. It's bad for business. You might have to like quit a podcast over it and it sucks. Um, Tatiana's gonna listen to our episode and be like, "Don't fall in love with me." (laughs) 
Oh my god, I love her so much. Lunchy's so great. Um, but yeah, so James and Rhonda, like, they had just a crazy, like, they're screaming at employees. They're forcing people to stay late. Um, it, it gets really crazy. Frank is, like, screaming at employees. He's threatening people. He's kind of out of control. There are a lot of rumors that he was taking a lot of cocaine at the time. Um, they're <sighs> tapping people's phones. He is. I okay. All of this makes so much more sense. I forgot it was the eighties. He's like he's going fucking full Scarface at least. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) That makes so much more sense. Okay. Whoa, my God. He's just like he's just like railing Rhonda, doing lines off her back while they fuck, being like, "Yeah, we need to tap the phones." Like that's what's happening. He's using those like rainbow rulers to like chop it up on a puppy dog notebook, just like. Like, we got some more notebooks. There's just a, there's a poor golden retriever with like a cocaine mustache. <laughs> Absolutely. It's just the whole thing is super abusive. At one point, he locked the doors of the building because one employee left 10 minutes early so people couldn't leave, which is a fire which hazard. Which is literally a fire hazard. That's what so killed illegal. the freaking ladies in that textile building in yep. the 30s. Like, the what triangle the cloth fan. Factory yes. Fire. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. It's super illegal and really fucked up. And yeah, they they yeah. ran it. I mean, the title of the Jezebel article I read was called "Inside the Rainbow Gulag," and it is a lot like that. Um, there was oh a there was a there were patterns of intimidation where Rondo would guilt people into staying late. You know, guilt people into working unpaid overtime, all those sort of things, the Oof. shitty corporate bullshit that they're just do. a dynamic duo of Absolutely. worker abuse. And <laughs> in a lot of the affidavits I read, too, there were people who were basically like, I didn't understand what was going on. Like, it's clear that they were having a relationship, but James would yell at Rhonda the way he would yell at the rest of us. Dude. He would call her fat, he would scream Whoa. at her. So it's like they have this sort of illicit sexual relationship, but it sounds like it's a very abusive relationship and judging from the way that James was to his employees I have a pretty solid feeling that this was not a happy marriage and that yeah it just wasn't a good situation um when Frank filed for divorce from James A. Green in 2005 and immediately sued him to regain control of the 49% oh. of the company's shares, the company was in shambles. Sales had dwindled oh. and many of the former staff had quit. This is where shit gets really messy. Um, I muddled through a ton this of- This court- is where it gets messy? <laughs> They've been tapping argument. people's phones and calling people fat at work. This is horrible. It's fucking crazy, dude. Um, I muddled through a ton of court documents, and it's like everyone is just suing everyone. Frank sues Green for ownership, alleging that the 49% of stock she gifted him during their marriage was nullified in the event of a divorce. And she eventually got that, but not before Green left the office with Lisa Frank computers that had Lisa Frank intellectual property, which he downloaded illegally off of it. But at the time, because he owned 49% of the shares, he was still the CEO and he was still the director. He still had hiring and firing power. So even though 
even after Lisa Frank got her shares back, she he was still like the director and they had to like put a freeze on him to stop him from just firing the whole staff and fucking up her whole business. So she oh my God. she basically filed divorce papers and then sued him immediately because it was the mm-hmm. only way that she could wrest control of the company from him because at this point he was in total control and he had all the contacts. Um, so this is where shit gets messy. I muddled through a ton of court documents and everyone's suing everyone. Frank sues Green for ownership, alleging that the 49% stock that she gifted him was nullified in the event of a divorce. Uh, she eventually got that. Green countersues Frank to keep his shares, alleging that the company would cease to function without him, which he did not get. And Rhonda sued Lisa Frank, Inc., alleging that both James and Lisa had promised her a $2 million home in the event of her retirement or firement. Wow. Then Frank sued Rowlett, alleging misappropriation of funds. It is a wild Mm. ride, and my whole head hurts. But it is clear from the court documents that James A. Green was an incredibly abusive employer. Prior to their divorce, Green had bought a private jet and forged Frank's signature to obtain loans from Wells Fargo, which he was then not paying and not answering phone calls about after (gasps) directing Wells Fargo employees to never contact Lisa Frank. Oh, my God. It took years for Lisa Frank to wrestle control from her ex-husband and to settle the numerous lawsuits. Can you imagine how much a private jet fucks your credit up yes yes insane it's more money than i'll ever see that's so awful it's so crazy and it's i mean the thing is is it is clear that this man was out of control like he there in some of the court documents like he went to lisa frank's house to get some of his stuff and like pushed a kid that was just there helping him move things like he's just like (laughs) shitty and violent to strangers in a way that everyone like yeah "Yeah, he's just shitty um and frank admitted to her friend buchanan who who we saw earlier she admitted to him that like she was afraid of her husband and that yeah. the he the the former schoolmate she contacted because he's actually a lawyer, um, and she contacted him to help get the employee. You know, sorry, she contacted him to help get the information from Wells Fargo and to get the information about all the finances and what was going on because she just she wasn't part of the business not because she didn't want to be at that point, but because Green was pushing her out and not allowing yeah, her right. to be part of things. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's clearly like a very abusive relationship. It's clear that these are people that just don't have work life balance or boundaries because yeah. like if you're dating someone that you work with and you're building the company with them and this is your whole thing and you know like you're p- fighting with each other and like if you've ever built a business with a lover, you'll know that when that relationship ends, the business something happens to the business, something vital changes. Mm -hmm. So it's just overall just a bad situation. Um, Her 320,000 square foot headquarters, which houses at least 10 copies of every single Lisa Frank product ever created, as well as original artwork and the fireproof vaults became a ghost town. And it was listed. Oh my God. It's crazy. It's like there's there's a there's a mirrored unicorn outside of the building that the horn yeah. fell off. Like it's just the saddest thing right now. Um, and it <laughs> is it still out there? Is it just some kind of crazy whimsical neon graveyard? Yeah. Oh, like, wait. Let me f- get you guys a photo of that because that's really important. Yes, please. Because are you? Can you go inside? 
they used to or give it all tours. Just locked up? They stopped giving uh-huh. tours in um, 2015. But this is what it looks oh, like okay. from the outside. And it's in Arizona still? Yeah, it's in Tucson. And the property is currently, I think, still on sale for like $13 million. Y'all, let's buy it. Yeah. Yeah, I know a Patreon goal when I see one. Hell yeah, dude. So here's the outside. You can see like... This is gonna like the parking audio lot. And we're going to buy the Lisa Frank building. It looks like <laughs> Toys R Us, but better. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's definitely got that vibe. It's like all rainbow. That and photo you can see of like, her is so scary. The docks are, I know, she's pretty scary. It's her in front of the rainbow. The docks are beautiful. Yeah, the docks are all rainbow. <laughs> like, this is cool. Like, it's cool for sure. It is. Um, And the inside is cool, too. Oh. Like, it shows. Oh, I see the unicorn. You know, she's. Well, oh, where's the unicorn? Like, help. Oh, wait, her cool. um here's the unicorn her... without a horn oh wow that wow. is a fucking shot yeah yeah it's like, like yeah dark. i and this yes is that's what interior. i mean like that is telling they have all these sort of like can you large... imagine it being oh, if it was like dead silent in there and you were in there alone that would be a little bit afraid because i feel like that bear would come alive yeah there's <laughs> these just large footsteps <laughs> oh my god don't even say that jordan <laughs> I'm scared. It, it definitely looks like a like a fun house a little bit. Like there's these yes. big plastic animals. They have the, remember, I don't talk about this too much, but there was like a whole phase of Lisa Frank in the late 2000s where she did those really big eyed girls that look like aliens. This was like pre Bratz dolls. I was about to say Bratz dolls. <laughs> I have to it's look basically it was basically Bratz dolls. Uh, yeah, it yeah. was like she said she was inspired by anime to sort of like move into people but no one ever really loved the people the way that they love the animal characters animals yeah and also she got a lot of weird you know she got the like lisa frank is body shaming young girls who could have a head that big it's like well this is clearly a stylized (laughs) yeah it's it's like someone attacking caricatures and being like you're forcing that child to skateboard no one can do that it's like it's this isn't supposed to be real at all. Yeah, I found a I found a few articles that were just like, and Lisa Frank girl, Lisa Frank thinks a girl's stomach is supposed to be this small. It's like, well, sh- they also think that she can have a pet dog that talks to her. So like, it's fine. <laughs> Clearly, some Relax. lines have been crossed. Yeah, like it's chill. It's just for pretend. Um, in 2012, Lisa Frank filed a lawsuit against CSS Manufacturing, stating that the company had reneged on a promise to restore Lisa Frank Industries to stores nationwide. The company had promised to sell more than $15 million worth of product, resulting in $2.8 million for Frank, but nothing ever came of it. As far as I could ascertain, this is still a pending suit. I couldn't find any ruling in this. Um, but maybe... Maybe it's reasonable to expect that a company founded on the use of stationery and pencils might decline as stationery and pencils become no longer necessary. We use our phones (laughs) all the time. Uh, Can a stationery-based company continue to survive if we don't really use stationery anymore? Uh, Chris Christopher, a director. I'm of- just imagining the CEO of Gel Pens being like, "Wah wah!" Like, I mean, right? We all miss- <laughs> pretty much, yeah. We like all the miss slap- the '90s lady, <laughs> the jelly exactly. bracelets. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I mean, they have a support I have been group. Tr- 
I've been trying to find a pair of jelly shoes for adult women and uh, have been completely unsuccessful. So Ooh, Steve Madden made some a couple summers ago. I'll see if oh, he made them again. I, I missed it, apparently. Before. But no, I can see it just like unless she gets into NFTs. Yeah. But yeah, which, like what's next? I mean, so I she started that. We're going to find out somewhere down the line that it was Lisa, that Lisa Frank Frank's being like, it. she's no, the this- F in NFT. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa Frank technology. I don't know. What's N stand for? Nisa. I don't know what I NFT stands for. What does NFT stand for? Uh, it's know. a non. Wait, okay. I don't actually know how to pronounce this. It's a oh, non fungible token. Oh, yeah. I've heard that. I just heard, I'd have no idea what that means. Um, I don't either. <laughs> so the thing is, so like a lot of people are just like, yeah, the fad dies out. Like whatever, fucking get over yeah. it. Lisa Frank's sort of personal narrative is like my husband ruined my business. It's really complicated. Her husband did ruin her business. He super sucked. Yes. I don't think she's perfect yes. either, but like this guy fucking sucks. He <laughs> messed up the decline. He messed up what should have been like her cushy retirement off yes. of all that nostalgia absolutely yeah. and he definitely mismanaged funds and misappropriated funds um and also like it's really clear from the court documents that i read that people basically were like i just can't work with james green like i right. will she wasn't even yeah. there for she any wasn't of there. this yeah, people are like, I would love to continue my business relationship with this company if I can speak with Lisa Frank, but I cannot work with James Green or Ronda Rellett. That was basically right. what a lot of the court documents said. And someone would have had to have what, like, hand dropped off a note on her own stationery at her house <laughs> because he's, like, <laughs> listening and he's, like, tapping phones and stuff. So. Yeah, and what's so scary about him tapping the phones is, like, yes, it's technically illegal, but because he is is the CEO of the company, he could fire people for doing that. And so they could just yeah. suddenly lose their entire livelihood for no reason for telling Lisa Frank about her own business. So it's yeah. crazy to consider that. Um, as Lisa Frank products became conspicuously absent from store shelves, something was happening to the generation of consumers that devoured all those rainbow unicorn accessories. We, we all hit grew puberty. up and became nostalgic <laughs> for the good old days, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we want all those bright things that our mom wouldn't buy us that we can now afford with our very own money. Yeah. Um, in recent years, Lisa Frank has popped back into the cultural zeitgeist with several collaborations. Though the company lo- no longer creates its own products, it has licensed its nostalgia-heavy original designs to several major brands, including a clothing line with Urban Outfitters in 2012, which is where that silhouetted interview comes <laughs> from. Um <laughs> In 2012, it was featured in Jeremy Scott's fall 2012 runway show in the form of a midriff-covered corset. Wait. In the form of a midriff corset covered in Lisa Frank stickers. I have this. It's really cool. I want to show you guys here. Oh, I thought you meant you owned it. I was about to be like, how am I not? How is that not the only item of clothing you wear? (laughs) It's in I a would. glass case somewhere. I have to break it to open it. Wait, hold on. Where is my... That would be like some... If there was like a Comic-Con Ren Faire, Andrea would wear a corset covered <laughs> in Lisa Frank stickers. Oh my God, don't tempt me. 
Oh, get back here. Yeah, that the Urban Outfitters interview just sounds like she should have just been like, I'm a rebel daddy, a lone wolf. Like this bitch thinks she's so <laughs> dark and mysterious. <laughs> it's a lot. But yeah, this is cool. I oh, wow. wow. I think this looks really cool for like high yeah. fashion in this look. It's basically yes. just looks like it's like a hard top corset. And it yeah. just yes. looks like the top of your Trapper Keeper when you had all the stickers. That's basically Covered. what it looks like. Yes. Um, this look is but really cool. But even like from this distance, the stickers are making me like, oh, I remember those. Uh, yeah. And, and that is kind of what it's intended to do and definitely what it does. Let me see if I can find. I had such high anxiety as a child that I had a notebook that just had all of my stickers because I was terrified. Oh, of yes. Like putting them in the wrong spot. <laughs> right. Oh, I would put stickers on like a piece of notebook paper and then just look at all my stickers. Like this is yes. where my stickers go. I would never yes, use them. That's exactly. I was so anxious to use them. I just kept them forever and I would only use yeah, them. Nothing was ever location. good enough. Yeah. I was like, it <laughs> so doesn't match up. It's not good enough. Yeah. I would just save yeah. them forever. Um, so you can see here's some other collabs she did. So wow. she did you can see the Target pajamas she did in twenty seventeen. Oh, um okay. these are Reebok sneakers, which are basically the corset but these were done in 2017 as well i think these but are they also not as cute have, no they have like weird cutouts and yeah. it does just There's kind of look going on it's too yeah, much going it looks on it's like somebody just kind of that looks a bunch like of they, shit. i was gonna say that looks like they put hot glue on a pair of shoes and then stuck <laughs> it in the free gift bin at the dentist well i kind of think and they that's did almost stuck so like the Reebok collab, quote unquote, like they they did all this work to sort of like bust out this collab. Like, oh, we're doing a Lisa Frank collab. But when you look into it, they only made two pairs of shoes and you had to like do an Instagram giveaway to get them. So it's not like it wasn't a product oh. that was mass produced. It was just something they that didn't they even sell them. With. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this is sort of like Lisa Frank kind of starts coming back into the cultural zeitgeist and she's trying to sort of like rebuild her brand off of the nostalgia wave a little bit. Um, yeah. In 2017, Glamour Dolls, a makeup brand, raised $370,000 via Kickstarter to produce a line of beauty products, including rainbow eyeshadow palettes, a beautiful custom brush. They license original Lisa Frank characters. Here's one of the brushes. It's really cute. It's so cute. I'll show you the brush and the nail polish. And I'm so angry. I really wish this nail polish existed. I can't find it. Um, <laughs> I was about to say, all of this stuff sounds like it was made for you. But also, there's no way that Lisa is not... There, if her brain is the same marketing brain, it sounds like she's had her whole life. There's no way she doesn't wow. know that this is her time for a comeback. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And she does know based on the one other interview I had of her. Um, Yeah. So you can see like the makeup brush. It's pink on the ends and there's unicorns on it. And it's like got a rose gold finish. And the the top of the nail polish is a unicorn horn, which I think is such a perfect detail. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really fun. I love that it is so nostalgic. You can't tell what the nail polish is inside of it. Absolutely. It's, it doesn't oh, yeah. matter. It's just Lisa Frank. And Absolutely. you get what you get. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And I do feel like that top is kind of indicative of her style of every part of the packaging being kind of whimsical. If yeah. Possible. Yes. yeah. Absolutely. And it, it's like 
she i do think that at the end of the day lisa frank does understand how to create like a product that you want you know like a product that down to the details you really want um yeah even you pulling all of that up was enough of a nostalgia kick that now i'm like oh i want to go like look at paintings by lisa frank like i want to go find one of those notebooks i want to like oh what a what a happy world to live in instead of the one that we're in The coronavirus one? Yeah, I mean, I like even that idea that she had all of those years of uh, an unhappy marriage and not having control of her business and all of these things. And she can kind of use this time to hopefully maybe bring back some of her joyous art to people in new ways or something. Yeah. Let's... Well, no, it's not because she's got darkness in her heart. It's because she's just <laughs> No, amazing. it's because she wants Don't to make money. That. This is your time. <laughs> yes. No, like she's, she's somewhere <laughs> plotting right now, but somebody's soul will maybe be lighter for it. You she's gotta like, make oh, is someone I... happy? Great. Like I sure money. hope so. You got to make up for that divorce somewhere for <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> in 2019, Frank's then 20-year-old son, Forrest, started running the Lisa Frank Instagram account. Says Forrest in a 2021 <laughs> interview, let, I'm just, mom, let me just run our Instagram account for a week without hearing anything from the peanut gallery. Forrest eventually grew the account to 10,000 followers after just one week and almost 800,000 followers it has today. Forrest Green now serves as the company's director of business development and partnerships, bringing in big celebrities that are fans of the brand like Tiffany Haddish for potential collabs. Now, Ah, this is behind that. Hunter's behind that. Or sorry, not Hunter. Forrest. Forrest. Forrest is behind that. Okay, sorry. So... Reading some of the, I found this interview with Forrest uh, Green from 2020, and it's really illuminating. So basically, after Frank's divorce, um, Forrest went to live with his mother, and Hunter went to live with his father, and they just never were brothers again. Uh, They basically, he, he was just like, I was just like a single child. And... His relationship with his mother, I would say, is kind of unhealthy. Um, He describes when he was eight or nine years old, she would take him out of school to go to run board meetings. So, like, from the age of eight and nine, he was, like, sitting in on board meetings. He was part of it. He was ditching school. He was ditching childhood experiences to be a part of it. And the way that he talks about his mom is it's like, yeah, it's like me and mom against the world. And, you know, we're like business partners and, you know, she'll bounce her ideas off me and we'll argue. But at the end of the day, like we love each other. And I'm like, you have just recreated a horrific codependent relationship without boundaries with your child that you had with your husband. Mm -hmm. Um, It just seems like this is a family that doesn't know how to communicate with each other that doesn't have healthy boundaries. Wow. You can tell I've been to therapy. Uh, It's a lot. Uh It's not good. (laughs) So I hearing about this, it's like, he's like, yeah, I've been sitting in on board means since I I was eight or nine. It's supposed to be a sort of point of pride, but like reading it, I was like, that's really sad that your mom. Well, like you said, I was making you her friend. 
How codependent are you to pull your kid out of school so they can come with you to work? Yeah. yeah. Like, I not cannot good. imagine my mom being at work and being like, like, yeah, you miss your kids during the day, but not being like, I wish Katrina was here. I'm going to go get her. That's yeah. a different <laughs> level. Like, what? At my business meeting. Where yes, at work. Like children. Yeah, I what? I think there are a lot of things that we sort of excuse about rich people as like, well, this is how mm. they're so successful. And it's like, trauma? Is trauma how they're so successful? Because like, <laughs> this is not healthy. You know, this child, like Whoa. he was essentially groomed from the age of eight years old. Like as soon as his parents got divorced, it's like, well, you're going to run the business when I die. You're going to be my business partner. You know right. what I mean? Like that and that's what I was, thinking. was put forth. I was thinking about even having control over like being feeling so betrayed by someone that you did love and being like, well, I can make sure that my son doesn't grow up to be a horrible, abusive sociopath. So I'll just start over. You know what I mean? Yeah. And kind Oof. of grow a better version of this relationship with a child that I can, you know, make sure isn't mean to me. Yeah. It's or whatever. There is oh the relationship sometimes between single mothers and their children or single parents I should say and their children is really difficult because it's like you're fighting for your kids you want a good life for them you want everything good for them but you're also hurting and you might not have the resources to deal with that and yes. your child as the only person around that is like constantly loving you is a source yep. of comfort in a way that like maybe they shouldn't be maybe there should be an adult present. Yes, I've absolutely known people raised by single parents who were, like you said, hurting and through no fault of their own, lacking so much like adult Support. companionship yeah. that even if it's when you go to college or start hanging out with your friends when you grow up, you, when you grow out of doing everything with your parent. Yeah. That can be a real hard time for single parents of like, we're friends. Like you go to the movies with me and now you want to go with people your own age and there's like a sense of betrayal and all this stuff. So like, I feel like even bringing him to work kind of built in another thing that would solidify that in another way. Even if he did grow up and go to college and things like you end up working, that's where you spend the majority of your time. So yeah, absolutely. And I, I think like I was a child of a single mother and like I definitely got windows into my mother's experience that mm. were you know what I mean like as a child your parent should never ask you your opinion on their relationship you know it shouldn't be like do you think I should yes. stay with this guy like it's like <laughs> you're like mom hey. I have a super different opinion about this like what yeah so I mean like I think that making a child your equal at a young age yes. isn't good yes. for them yes um, there we go no matter what no matter what in what way you're doing it emotionally like just because they're not ready kids they don't they're not ready they don't have they don't have what you and like i can even understand like he's saying it's just me and her and being like who else would you go to to ask no one knows like you do or whatever kind of yeah, thing. Absolutely. And that just turned you into, like you said, a tiny adult where you're like, yeah. Well, where you also feel level. like you are functioning on a level, but you also, the thing that sucks about it is you feel like, oh, I'm responsible for everyone's feelings at all times. 
Like yes. I'm responsible yes. oh, that's what for I was my gonna mom's say, Functioning on a level that you shouldn't have to think about. You should be worrying about kid stuff, but you're like stressed about your mom's relationship. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it's like the parentification. <laughs> yep. Yep. Mm. Absolutely. So it's kind of weird, but like he's 22 now, you know, like he doesn't see his relationship that way. We kind of get the sense that like, hey, there's some weird stuff going on. But. If you thought that the shady business dealings were over just because Frank's abusive ex-husband was out of the mix, you'd be dead wrong. Because it turns out Lisa Frank is not that innocent. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. In June of 2021, Glamour Dolls sued Lisa Frank Incorporated. Remember those cool makeup palettes that they raised all that money to produce? They never came to fruition. (gasps) Glamour Dolls claims that Lisa Frank Incorporated terminated the contract, took the concept to another makeup company to produce the Lisa Frank by Morph collab, while Lisa Frank Incorporated claims that Glamour Dolls failed to deliver the products in time manner and that they were forced to go elsewhere the lawsuit is still pending obviously because they just filed it in june of this year um but the fans who were supposed to get the those kickstarter rewards are really upset so that brush i showed you earlier and the cool nail polish with like the horn that's what then never got made those are like prototypes that never came to fruition yeah those are prototypes but the Morph collab is does exist. The Lisa Frank by uh-huh. Morph, and it's really cute. Here, let me. Because that's what I was gonna say too. Is I wonder if she's just as bad as Jonathan, or she's just like shysty, like most other people I know in marketing, where she just leveraged the deal with somebody else and just thought, yeah, that she I mean, could get out of it. Because did she take from- the money too? I don't have information on that. According to Glamour Dolls, she voided the contract. I don't know if she got the money or not. Gotcha. Here, let me share this with you guys. Here it is. This is the Morph collab. So you can see it's like the same basic idea of like, we got brushes. We're doing a makeup palette. I think this looks really nice. I think it's really well done. It's a product that personally, like it's affordable. And personally, I would want to buy it. Um, Oh, yeah. Here's the thing, but, they skimped on the brushes, like their brush doesn't look as good, but overall I think they probably, like being someone that has looked at a bunch of different prototypes like that, when you pitch things to different people, I can see why she kind of even saw that later and was like, mm, I'm just gonna slink my way out of this and do this instead <laughs> possibly. Absolutely. And I I do think that's kind of what happened is that Glamour Dolls had the concept of like, we want to do a Lisa Frank brush set and then they approached Lisa Frank they got the licensing they got it all figured out they got their Kickstarter and I think that when you are producing like small batch makeup and beauty products it's expensive and it's really difficult and it takes a lot of time and I think that like you know it's hard to say what happened there Um, Mm -hmm. but Glamour Dolls is alleging essentially that Lisa Frank took their idea and then took it to another place um Uh, so that with that one it's like kind of okay that's shitty it's iffy but this is another thing that i'm going to show you in 2019 lisa frank created a pop-up hotel experience that sold out in an hour but as images surfaced it was clear to fans of insta famous designer amina mukiolo 
that the interior design was a direct ripoff of her Insta-famous Rainbow Home Cloudland. Have you guys seen this? I yeah. vaguely yeah, remember. Yeah, I this. read her interviews. Um, it's it is like shot for shot. It is. I mean, to an extent, like, like Amy Schumer, Patrice O'Neill level. Absolutely. Yeah. Look at this. <laughs> I mean, here, oh, I, I always do the thing where I'm like, I'm sharing the screen. I'm not sharing the screen. Here's the screen. <laughs> I love it. So, like, I can hear it they, in your voice that you want us to see something. <laughs> I know. Look at this. You guys, look at this. Can you see it now? Yeah. Yes. So, you can see, like, shot for shot, it's the same kitchen layout. And the reason yeah. it's the same kitchen layout is so basically, Studio Muchi is Amina Muchiolo's. Uh, Instagram account she became famous in about 2017 her personal home is called Cloudland she lived in these uh, apartment buildings in Los Angeles um, and around 2017 the Lisa Frank Instagram started liking her home because clearly she is inspired by Lisa Frank um, yeah. Around 2017, 2018, they were they were having conversations with each other. The brand had reached out to her. She actually got invited to view the Lisa Frank pop up in person, which is when she realized that the Lisa Frank Hotel pop up was across the street from her apartment in an apartment building that was a direct identical layout. Like it was so, built the same. Like it was built yeah. the same. It was owned by the same company. So it was owned by and her landlord. And it was down to like, it was down to like the layout of the way paintings were put on the wall in the Absolutely. living room. Absolutely. Like this the shit same was, table and like, chairs. It takes, it takes effort to copy something to that detail where if you have someone around you could let them make up something on their own like if you hired a designer you know what i mean they didn't have to copy it exactly yes this what? is this was a this was a quote unquote collab between hotels.com and lisa frank um and as soon as this started popping off as soon as like i followed uh amina mukiolo when this started happening and you can see like like shot for shot it is her house and when she started speaking up about this because so many fans of her were sending her screenshots and posting about it she was like yeah this is clearly a direct rip off of my home and I'm wondering why me a black queer autistic artist is not being compensated for a direct ripoff of my personal life's work um Mm. when she started making a stink about that her landlords refused her rent payment and evicted her she was eventually evicted from her home yes so all of the work she created her famous instagram account that that entire sort of thing that she had happening and you guys know in los angeles 
buildings are rent controlled, which means if you've been right. living at a place for a really long time, the cost of that home versus what right. you might be able to get for that same cost elsewhere is so right. much lower. Oh, so if like, she was yeah. in a rent controlled building, all Lisa Frank would have had to do is call something over and been like, oh, I've been trying to get that girl out of here forever because they want to make more money off that space. Absolutely. Yeah. And now they can use that space and sell these Lisa Frank pop-up hotel spaces, which are essentially profiting off of her work. Yeah. Wow. It's really messed up. She is not, I didn't find any official lawsuits. I think that Amina might not have the financial resources to go after a company like Lisa Frank, which again which makes her even more upsetting. How, how are they, yeah, they would have to have somebody prove that that's why she got evicted. Because how, yeah. you know what I well, mean? Other, you, you could even sue for the... Because these, fo- she has enough photographic documentation that she has a case. But going after a corporate entity mm. at the the level of Lisa Frank, where that mm. is private jet money, and yeah. Frank could hold this up in court for decades, just long and enough just to write this her woman out. Yes. dry. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and Lisa Frank has done that. There was a in twenty. 20- 12 I want to say there was another brand there's like a toy brand where one of her former artists went to work for this toy brand and they made puzzles and one of the puzzles they made was like a rainbow unicorn and she basically like if you look at the side by side like it's a unicorn puzzle there is a kitty and a heart it's whatever but like Lisa Frank it's not in the Lisa Frank style per se yeah. like it's okay, not right. mimicking that style it's very like boxy it's just a and unicorn geometric. and a rainbow uh-huh. kind of like you can see some influence possibly but for her to go mm-hmm. after that brand is again just her suing her creating lawsuits her creating like basically trying to get another source of revenue from her brand that is hemorrhaging money you know this is around mm-hmm. 2012 when she's like really in a tough spot and trying to like get her toehold back in so it's because like, does she talk about all of the stuff with Studio Mucci in that interview, or this was after? Like, has she spoken was, about her getting evicted or anything? No. So the Lisa, the last Lisa Frank interview I have is from 2012. The last interview with her son is from 2020, but he doesn't bring up obviously. The fact mm-hmm. that he ran the Instagram account—that's that, what I was about to say because he was yeah. a social media person. I have a strong suspicion that he had a hand in this because if he's running the social yeah. media account, he's the one liking Amina's posts, following yeah. her, doing all that yeah. stuff. And and even if he's he just the creative those director, photos along, yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. What? So, but the whole really her getting evicted is a whole other thing in terms of you would have to prove some kind of connection between the business and you getting evicted. She would even have to go after the building separately, which again, like you said, Jordan is like, how much time and money do you have? But that is so shitty. Yeah, so that's, I mean, for the most part, that's kind of the story of Lisa Frank. That's where we're at, is like, she's kind of making a comeback. I think that like, what's really interesting about her is that if she didn't have all these sort of like shady dealings with people and if she wasn't sort of going back on contracts as a company or like openly ripping artists off, um, I think that she could make a comeback because the nostalgia factor is so heavy. 
but it sounds yeah. like the way that she's running the business you know you saw that uh that 2018 indeed.com review and it just sounds like she might not have the emotional capacity to do business well with people right so well, i wonder if she's like less abusive but still lacks the ability to realize that like other people would want to go home or not bring their children there <laughs> or you know yeah. what i mean if that's like a kind of perspective that she's lacking as like a human well and i think the thing is too is like if you have ever seen a business, this thing happens where like the people that stick around are ingrained in that business culture and thrive in that culture. So if you were someone who yes. thrived in an abusive environment and you were mm -hmm. able to sustain that, you might've been part of like the backstabbing and the like, we're just ripping people off and whatever. So like yes. maybe the staff that she has now is more just like, this is how it is. It's whatever. It's better under her than it was under him. But like they've weathered uh -huh. so much. You sort of have yes. that community already. Right. And it's hard to change office culture. Um, well, yes. and it's yes. also a trauma bond if right. all of a sudden. Okay, so yeah. the main designer, uh, owner of the company, name of the brand, got pregnant by her abusive husband went home never came back to the office and now we're getting fired for talking to her like yeah there is and some like serious... can't leave the building physically <laughs> yeah it's, it's messed yeah, up on it a does lot of definitely levels. but i also wonder just in terms of her obviously wanting the business to continue and stuff it's like is she just like painting still because even if you were still making art, it seems like her son could be sharing that. And instead you're like copying autistic in influencers. So yeah. where is like the new art coming from or not new, you know what I mean? Like it has to be different, but like if she, if it was about her just wanting to make art and not ripping people off and being wrapped up in lawsuits. The thing is, I think at this point, it's not about art anymore. I think to her, it is a uh, business. And I think uh -huh. it's pretty clear that like, she wants to cash in on this nostalgia factor, but I don't think yes. she's making new artwork. You know what I mean? Like, I think right. that what people want from her is not what she, you know what I mean? Like we want the puppies mm -hmm. and the kittens. Like we don't want serious yeah. artwork. Yeah. We're adults. No. We just want the things that are comfortable to us. Like, no, but I feel like from these stories, it seems like she wants to cash in on the nostalgia, but is not aware that we have evolved in other ways where like, we don't like when people steal from artists and get them <laughs> evicted. Yeah. And not like fans. not focusing on the way you're moving and being like, why don't people want me, my folders anymore? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it being like, it might be bigger than that now. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, again, I mean, I don't want to say like rich people are evil, but I think that if you are raised with this sort of mentality that you're better than other people, that you might not, be aware that I mean, this is not an okay thing to, to do even going back to the native people or her friends yeah stickers or anything where it's just like there are certain people that you may or may not decide are expendable because right. of whatever level of the creation you're taking credit for even for her to be like oh well i'm buying these paintings and they're painting what i'm telling them and that's what's selling it's like yeah but you didn't paint yeah. it 
Right. <laughs> so even that being something that as an artist, you would think she would initially want to lack even to rip off another artist physically with your own hand would be different than like taking yourself out of the equation artistically altogether and straight churning stuff out is interesting i mean i think that in in the art community right now there's sort of two avenues there is sort of the romantic artist the laboring artist it's a labor of love this is what i do because i love it i don't give a fuck if it sells or not like this is my thing and then there are the artists that are like i am a brand i am a business and there are i think most regular people would be surprised at how many artists tout themselves as the romantic artist that are actually commercial Mm. capitalist artists that have Mm. 20 or 30 assistants helping to paint their paintings or painting their paintings that have a production staff you know if you see a big artist like for example james jean like james jean is a wonderful artist he's a nice person he's really great but there's no way he could produce all of the level of artwork that he creates he has assistance and a lot of big Mm. artists these days do kahinde wiley gets all his things famously made in china by other people so yeah at mm. studios that he won't let people go to because he doesn't want people to know that he has assistance right like and it's I mean, so many artists, but it, and that's not even a new thing though. If you look at the workshops of the old masters, this is absolutely a thing that has just always been. You always have, if you want to make money in art, you have an assistant who is also painting in your style because that's more that you are producing and Mm -hmm. being able to sell. Right, Mm -hmm. which if you're an artist who went to art school like me, it is soul crushing to every day go to a job and create work for more famous artists. And Uh you know what I mean? And like at the end of the day, you're like, I made this, but I am not reaping the rewards of it. And I'm not. You physically made it. I physically made it, but emotionally I'm not connected to this work. I don't own it monetarily i'm not gaining the full value of the work for what it sells for and in every other way ever be on it absolutely that's what i was about to say you're like absolutely uh, behind the scenes you don't even yeah get to share that you are the hands that made that yeah i i've made some famous artworks i've made some artworks for famous artists like i have had a hand in creating (laughs) artworks for famous artists and at the end of the day no one will ever know and i think that is really difficult for me as an individual but i can understand how that is difficult for the other artists that that's their job and that's the way that they create Mm. a you know make a living um yeah do you guys really quick want to know what happened to james a green and ronda oh my god this is like when you stay through the credits yes (laughs) Yeah, I forgot about him. So if you're wondering, James A. Green and Ronda Rowlett started their own clothing line called (laughs) Jamie A. Green, which touts itself as, quote, the creator of the framed, sorry, the creator of the famed Lisa Frank brand. Here are some images. Stop. Supposedly, Coke idea. Just saying. Oh, absolutely. We're gonna start a clothing business. It'll have all of her designs. It'll be great. It'll be great. They'll never know the difference. Supposedly, he started this with his son, which I also have a photo with the other son. With the other son, Hunter Green. This better be a lifetime movie one day. 
right? Like if this is not a two part series called Frank Under Fire by the time I'm 55, I'm <laughs> oh my going God. to be livid. <laughs> Oh my God, I love you. Just like oh. there's two sons split on the side of a divorce. There is a abused mistress that should not still be staying with this man. Like all of the elements. Katrina, I think you need to pitch this and have Andrea as your research team. Like, Yes, drug <laughs> intrigue. Andrea will make you dye your hair black and like dilate your eyes and you can play her. Oh, oh my God. I'm so ready. <laughs> I'm so ready. Okay, here, check out this clothing brand. Oh, it's so good, you guys. Here's the Jamie A. Green clothing brand. What? What? It basically looks like Ed Hardy. This is James Green. That's what Hardy. (laughs) This is James Green. This douchebag. Are you kidding me? This is like every guy that. This is like every dad that hits on me in St. Augustine Beach when I go home like, to visit. <laughs> Absolutely. Every dad, every dad that sees me coming back from the bathroom and sees me with a group of my friends is like, so what are you ladies getting into later? Like, nothing, <laughs> not sir. You. We're not nothing getting into Nothing Jamie you. A. Green. Oh, oh my God. God. And also, I so- God. The this kerning is Hunter. on Jamie A is really bothering me. Also, I don't like like that. Why is touching that A? I really hate it as well. <laughs> of course, um, that's Hunter. Why is he doing <laughs> Spider Man hands? I don't know. Spider Man hands. But also, can you not? I want to <laughs> see like not like you have to have one, but I would love to even see a split screen of the sons. And they're an experiment of raising in different homes. <laughs> what? So Forest Green, like his mother would not allow photographs of himself. Oy vey. Dude, there are so many just like bizarre, boundary-breaking Thanos vibes from her that like... <laughs> yeah. I and lo- look, there's definitely something with the like... If we have a at some point check mark list, the way they have check marks for when you're a, a sociopath, like if you get hit, if you kill animals, wet the bed, like all those like random things. If they have those for people like the dude that made Firefest, Elizabeth Holmes, like if they make that one day, some of this shit is gonna be in there. Like she's yeah. checking certain boxes, like Absolutely. dads that are super successful and you search for their approval in a certain way as a daughter. Like even that dynamic, there are like like so many parallels well and you can see too so like there's like the weird abusive like not having boundaries shit and then you can see in this clothing brand like it is clearly like ed hardy meets lisa frank is the style yes but it's, it's like it's like the very low quality a, though yes it has like this trippy it looks like something that you would do while you were on acid and then you would look at when you were sober and be like i can't believe i thought that was art that's what it looks like when you're like, this is great. And then you're like, no, it's really not. It's just something you made. This looks like a what? lot of like Venice Beach boardwalk, like art fair. Like it's yes. just like it's there's nothing really unique or special or interesting about it. No. It just kind it of exists. Like, it almost looks like it could be all black and white until you went into the sun and then yeah. they show up. 
Yeah, like there's that like kind of thing. Yeah. For listeners, know. there's a dog with an ear that is like a ring, a wing, but it's a rainbow. And then there's like music notes behind him for no reason. There's a tiger that has like hearts and chili peppers, I think, as stripes, but they're like different colors. But it's all on like brown instead of like a fun color. I was and it's about like to weirdly say, vectorized. Yo. The animals have a lot more line detail, but then there's also, like you said, it's like they did real colors for animals and they're just on colorful backgrounds or have colorful detail. Yeah, it's really weird. So, okay, this is like... The Ed Hardy thing, though, is super accurate because you... You can look at this and see the tattoo element of it. Like somebody Absolutely. was absolutely somebody is doing the line weights and the shading of American traditional like, tattoos in these. Like Forrest has that lion on his back. Absolutely. <laughs> no, he's got it on his this, forearm. Well, this is Hunter. <laughs> look it. Hunter, I Hunter. keep confusing them. I'm so it's sorry. Okay. They have basically Hunter. the same name. One is in but the other. So, like what? They're so just so indicative of it not that we can even see pictures of the other two but what we've read and seen they're so indicative of the parents that they ended up with like well and they are also what? they are also reliving that cycle of trying to gain approval from their parents in the same way that yes. Lisa Frank clearly was you know what I mean so it's like you're reliving that cycle but okay you guys have seen the Ed Hardy shit there's like a weird side part to the Jamie A. Green brand, and oh it is this. Goodness. This is also on the website. <gasps> no. <laughs> it is just a woman's tits and then his ugly ass face wearing his own hat, and it just says chicks dig the long ball. And there's and like she's a baseball like barely shape. in a yeah, like she's in a baseball it seems like and then it's yeah. just like the bottom half of a woman's face all you can see is like feathered blonde hair and lips and a it's huge very Farrah Fawcett. set of breasts i think it might be farrah fawcett from baywatch oh, oh but okay. and, and so but also this art is totally different because he is in this yeah. caricature of himself with like exaggerated nose and mouth and like lower jaw it is and the ugliest thing <laughs> Is this him trying to make his own, like, remember those big Johnson t-shirts that were like the novelty sexual things? And it would be like big Johnson surf shack. And then it always had some kind of like love to ride the six foot wave. Like it always had some kind of super Mm, obvious sexual innuendo, but it was this little nerdy guy and he was big Johnson. And it was like, why do all of these cartoon women love big johnson because he's a nerd but he's got a huge dick like that was the whole oh. like, joke of them so yeah, is yeah. that or is this it a baseball is like, thing because i have i actually i'm very excited that i get to say this because i've heard it on like six podcasts i've listened to in the last month uh if we had a guy on this podcast maybe he'd be able to explain it <laughs> I keep listening to these podcasts where they're like, God, I wish we had a girl so she could explain this. And I'm wow, like, how what? do you oh, women for podcasts? That's so funny. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't even think that we need, I mean, maybe someone who knew baseball more would know if the long ball is a um, or thing in baseball. But also women- we have we have Google, so like, oh yeah. oh yeah, let's Google it. We don't need no man. Yeah. I'm just gonna look up long ball and see if that's no, a thing. But like, like, is the is question he is, does he saying? think is he, does he think that women prefer long testicles to big dicks? 
What does this even mean? Okay, so look. So a long ball is a hidden baseball that allows the batter to circle the bases and score a run. So it's basically another word for a home run. Oh. Maybe, it's a, maybe it's a home run that doesn't get out of the field. It says chicks dig the long ball and MLB's 25 greatest phrases and terms. So it's like. Oh, so I he's guess trying to capitalize term. on a baseball term, but. He Incredible. put it on a T-shirt that's not good enough to shoot out of a cannon. Like that artwork <laughs> is bad. <laughs> but also, yeah, he didn't so make bad. that up either. So, no. like, what it's kind so of bad. random hodgepodge of art and like pseudo marketing theft is happening here? I think when you remember how much cocaine he did, <laughs> very it valid. makes a lot of sense. No, you're so but right. When my Most dad of that image of him, he took from a caricaturist on Venice Beach. Like he Absolutely. was like, yes, yes. that's what it looks like. Me. Oh my god, there's a caricature some artist somewhere in Venice that's gonna see when we post this and be like, "That's my <laughs> shit." We're gonna start another lawsuit. People make bad choices when they're on drugs. That's what happens. So don't do drugs, kids. Please don't do drugs. Don't yeah, do drugs my dad and start tried to weird name my sisters. Dr. Bimbus and on my birth on my original birth certificate it said jumbo shrimp. No, it no. did not, Jordan. No, mm-hmm. that was your name? That was my name. Oh my god, I'm calling you Jumbo Shrimp forever. <laughs> was sh- wait, was shrimp your middle name or was it no, hyphenated? My first, my first name was Jumbo Shrimp. Jordan, you're jumbo shrimp forever. Because it also sounds, because also if you told me you went to prison and came back with the nickname jumbo shrimp, I would have believed you. And I don't even know why. I would have been terrified. But if you were like, yeah, they called me jumbo shrimp in the clink, I would have been like, got it. On board. I'm not going to make eye contact anymore. Yes. You can't see Jordan's arm, but the elbow tattoo is a spider web. I was not ready <laughs> no, it's Wait. worse. It's a human tooth. Tooth! Oh my gosh! Just oh as metal. <laughs> I love Jordan, it. Jordan, I couldn't breathe for a whole minute because that is the funniest <laughs> fucking thing I have ever heard like in my how? life. If you don't sign off as jumbo shrimp, so help me. Again, don't do drugs. Kids, kids don't do drugs. Do fun <laughs> drugs, do them in moderation. If wow. you are going to do drugs, take it easy. Uh, pack some Narcan. The fentanyl's going around. But yeah, take it easy on the yeah. drugs, oh, kids. Yeah. Please don't do drugs. For real. Yeah, if you are, definitely test it. But if you do it and it's clean, also don't start like mildly plagiarized screen printing businesses. Yeah. Here's that the are thing. not at all good. Go ahead. Be safe. Do the drugs safely. Don't start a business on the drugs. Or you're going to exactly. have shirts that say chicks dig the long ball. That's just a pair of tits in your face in the middle. Like, And now stop. you've just got an LLC that nobody asked for. Oh, do you want to know <laughs> real quick? This is the best part. On Facebook, on the Facebook groups, Lisa Frank Corporation has one million Facebook followers. Jamie A. Green has, guess how many, guess how many, guess how many? 527. Uh, tw- Oh, that's high. I was going to say 26. 78. Oh, wow. <laughs> They're not doing great. They're not Those doing great. Just all, 
Those are just everyone that's ever done cocaine in a bathroom with Jamie A. Green. That's just <laughs> all of his cocaine Those friends are people that one know by him. one. Absolutely. That's just one bathroom stall at a time, him building his followers. It is the it is the people he's done cocaine with, and it is the girls that Hunter is talking to. Like, that's... Yes! yes! <laughs> oh, my God, which is hilarious, because that means it's just, like, burnt out 45-year-old dudes and also smoke shows. Like, yeah, just absolutely. super hot. <laughs> What is this demographic? Facebook is like, I don't know how to set your ads up. This shit is wild, dude. I don't know how to market this. It's fucking wild. So yeah, that's the story of the wonderful world of Lisa Frank, guys. That was such a badass first episode. Absolutely. Yeah, it's... I love you both. This was really fun. Oh, I love you too. I feel like Jordan comes with the warm-hearted stuff. She's coming with the crazy-ass closers again. (laughs) Man. Wow. Okay. Well, that was as good as a first episode, I think, that we possibly could have asked for. Um, But if you like listening to us talk about art history and art and ourselves and our upbringings, um, follow us at Pavantgarde, which is P-O-D. Let me see how I spelled it. It's pod and then vant guard. Like, it's how you would know to spell it. It's P-O-D-B-A-N-T-G-A-R-D-E. That is on Instagram and Twitter. And, yeah, follow us there for Instagram. We'll have all of the fun pictures, and we'll put on Twitter when new episodes are up. And we'll also have information on both of those, I'm sure, uh, eventually about our Patreon and all of that stuff. Yay! Um, And... Yeah, that's going to be very important because we need to bless the man that listened to my mic be aggressively high before we started this (laughs) podcast. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, if you like me as an individual, uh, my name's Katrina Davis. You can follow me at Katrina Savad, which is S-I-V-A-D. It's just Davis backwards because there's a billion of us. Uh, And I'm on Instagram, Twitter, my website. Everything's the same thing. Um, But yeah, I love you all. And if you guys want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Andrea Gazetta. On Twitter at Sundress Comic and on TikTok at Andrea Gazetta. Yay. That's Andrea Gazetta Y A Y. You're on TikTok. I love this. I'm finding oh, out yeah. new information. I have almost I... a thousand followers on TikTok, baby. What's up? Good job. Hey, that's great. My all my because I worked at Starbucks for a little bit and all my 16 year old coworkers were like, you need to get on TikTok with us. And I was like, I can't dance. I'm not going to do this with you. We have to close because I'm not staying here till midnight. But wait, did you tell people where to follow you? No, I didn't. So I on Instagram, which is the only social media that I have. Uh, go by my other childhood name, The Goonie Bird. And in the bio of that, you can find my art account which is sweet baby girl stitching uh, because I like Eugene Hutz and I can't help it. Dobre dien, sweet baby girl. (laughs) (laughs) 
Jordan's so smart. I have no idea what that means, but I'm sure. I don't either. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's just Russian. Oh, see, always closing us out strong. I love that Jordan's like, I just speak Russian, and also my birth name is Jumbo Shrimp. Bye. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening. We love you. We love you. Bye. I sound like my mom just dropped me off at school. Hey guys, Andrea Gazetta here. I realized after we recorded this episode that I forgot to include the sources, so here they are. Today's sources are The Colorful World of Lisa Frank Goes Silent. This is in the New York Times Student Journalism Institute, and this is from May of 2013. There is an Indeed.com employee reviews for Lisa Frank. There is a Reddit post from December of 2015 about uh, the OG poster said, just moved to Tucson. Should I work for Lisa Frank? And then there are some comments. There is the Urban Outfitters interview with Lisa Frank from October 2012. There is a Lisa Frank hotel pop-up sold out in less than an hour. An independent artist says it's a ripoff of her Insta-famous apartment from Insider. That's October 2019. There's another article, Lisa Frank CEO gets Frank about Lisa Frank, the brand, which is a refinery interview. There's a real life Lisa Frank, and she blames the demise of her company on her husband. That is from February 2020. There's four things we learned about Lisa Frank from her head designer, which is written by Kenzie Bryant in May of 2012. That's a racked article. Lisa Frank's official shop. Currently, you can just go to lisafrank.com. There's the Lisa Frank Wikipedia. There's the second coming of Lisa Frank, uh, November 2017, which is a fastcompany.com article. There's Lisa Frank and Reebok have just created the 90 sneaker of your dreams from August 2017, Mashable. There's Lisa Frank's Dulled Dreamland, October 2020, from everythinggp.com. Inside the Rainbow Gulag, the Technicolor Rise and Fall of Lisa Frank, December 2013. That's a Jezebel article. And there is, of course, more Lisa Frank Wikipedia. There's ex-exec sues Lisa Frank for $2 million. That's Scott Simpson, Arizona Daily Star, April 2006. There's ruling due in lawsuit Lisa Frank for spouse. That's also from the Arizona Star in 2006. Inside the fiercely private celebrity-filled world of Lisa Frank and her son Forrest Green from February 2021. That's a Bustle article written by Samantha Leach. There is Morph's new Lisa Frank makeup collab was made for 90s kids. This is a Glamour article from November 2019. And there's Lisa Frank in Quartz, January 2020, which does not credit an author. And that, oh, no, there's more. Wow, I really did a lot of research for this. There are sworn affidavits that you can Google. I just Googled sworn affidavits and it came up on Amazon. It's a PDF you had to download. There's Lisa Frank Factory, Atlas Obscura. There's Glamour Dolls, Inc. Files Federal Lawsuit Against Lisa Frank. This is a Glamour article. Sorry. This is a PRNewsWire.com article. And those are the sources. So I did a lot of research for this show. And I really, really hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you so much. I love you. Bye.
Hey guys, Andrea here. Um, I'm asking for your help a little bit today because Jordan, Katrina, and I are all comedians and artists who don't have any experience editing sound. And because this is a sound-based medium, we have asked an editor to help us with our episodes. Um, we had a few issues early on with some of the early recordings and we're working on getting those sorted out. Um, and part of that is just having an audio engineer. So in order to be able to actually pay him and pay him a fair rate, uh, we're asking for your help. We've set up a Patreon, patreon.com slash And our goal is that we can pay him not from our own pockets, but from the resources of the show itself, which means we need your help. Um, we're also planning on starting to release bonus episodes. We'll start with one a month. Um, and as that Patreon rate increases, we'd like to eventually expand that to a bonus episode every week. And the bonus episodes will be more, um, a little bit more loose fit. We'll be covering art, uh, like current events and weird things that happen because there's a lot of like weird stuff going on in the art world right now, um, especially around NFTs, especially around AI. And I think it's really interesting and worth talking about, but we just need to be able to pay someone to edit that bonus content. Um, I would also say that in terms of the time cost, you know, Katrina, Jordan, and I all are supporting ourselves outside of this show. This show takes a lot of time. I'm probably spending at least three days a week with every episode just researching. We're buying books. Um, Katrina's editing the time codes. She's building our website. She's doing all our social media. Jordan is also researching her own episodes. And my goal for the Patreon is just that it can become something that you know we're not looking to get rich I don't think that's ever been our goal I don't think we ever think that could be our goal but what I'd like to be able to happen eventually is that the Patreon can become a way for us to just pay ourselves a living wage for the time that we invest into this show my experience uh, with cult podcast um, is that it's really hard to make a show every single week and not have other financial resources. So what I want is that this Patreon can eventually become a financial resource for us. It can help us support ourselves and it can help us to continue putting the show out so that we don't get burnt out and want to pull our hair out. Um, we love you so much and we think that the show is really important. I personally think that we need more podcasts that cover history and art history from a feminist, anti-colonial queer perspective and that's where we're coming from as artists and as art historians and comedians we love you we love this show thank you so much for supporting it that's again at patreon.com slash and thanks guys drugs all the drugs but oh my goodness Hold on, we just got silver alerted. Oh shit. Oh, I've been getting so many of those lately. Where are all of the elderly going? I'm so <laughs> they don't know. That's the problem, Jordan. It's just been like mass breakouts at the nursing home in the last couple months. I'm very upset about it.